I just don't know if I can live in a world where live streaming is the new normal. Like we're being confronted with so many quote unquote new normalcies right now. I don't mm. think I can. I mean, when I'm staring at the screen, it either needs to be adulterous video or trash TV. Like I right. can't. Or else I look away at something else. Right. Like I can't how, focus. Yeah. How can how can we continue in this world where if every- i'm at a concert and i stop paying attention to the music in front of me it's because of one reason i have to pee right or get a beer because the b- right. ballad is being played right but other than that it's like razor focus i don't have that razor focus staring at people playing acoustic guitars on their couches it's tough um I did have that focus this last Thursday with Noise Pops, uh, Doug Marsh Built to Spill solo. Uh, that was great. It was benefiting Slims and Great American Music Hall. Um, and that was fantastic because it's an artist that I love and I got to see that home experience. Also, so that I'm glad was it was benefiting full. something. Yeah. yeah uh, all of Noise Pops uh, weekly concerts are benefiting venues from different areas to hopefully reopen when this is over. Hopefully but, is the key word, the active yes. word there. But yeah, we got Doug Marsh built to spill, acoustic guitar, living room, talking about how much Zelda he's been playing on N64. What Was it Ocarina of Time? Yes. He said it's the most beautiful video game he's ever played. It really is. And it's also funny. <laughs> Which is that such a strange way to categorize the video game you're playing. A Nintendo 64 video game. A 64-bit blocky ass rendition of a fantasy role-playing game (laughs) this is also the second episode in a row where we've talked about nintendo 64 well right because i recently got one and and it has been enjoyable and with doug marsh's uh you know investment of time into that game i might have to jump in there too i don't know i've never been a zelda guy it seems pretty dorky what dude yeah you just pissed off a whole bunch of people out there guaranteed (laughs) oh we haven't even got to the intro music and people are just logging off (laughs) (laughs) tell me more about the built to spill live stream what let's let's talk about live streams very quickly before we even start this episode yeah i mean basically he's go ahead what was what was so like what kept what was the one thing that kept your focus? Because I, I, I just I, I can't even find anything to be a focal point on a lot of these live streams. Well, that was what was amazing was he did this perfectly because it was he played four songs, right? Perfect. He played two, just you know, built to spill songs that everybody loves. That kept my attention. You know, just watching it on acoustic, it's like you know, you think to yourself, maybe it was five songs, but you think to yourself, man, I love this song. This is such a personal, intimate rendition, and that's where the live stream has you for those first couple tracks, you know? You're like, I love this artist. And then you start to lose it. You look at your phone. You find something to do. You go get something to eat. So the third song, he played his beloved cover of Neil Young's Cortez the Killer. And about, you know, because every time he covers the song, it goes on for 15 to 30 minutes. So you're like, well, what's he going to do? He's playing this on acoustic guitar. And then about four minutes into it, you realize that he does have a loop pedal set up. (laughs) and he starts soloing while looping the chords and then soloing over that and then soloing over that until it becomes like this giant wash of Doug Marsh built to spill gigantic Neil Young madness which is also a Neil Young-ish thing to do absolutely to loop a bunch of solos on top of each other yeah and so that went on for probably 20 minutes and it was just incredible 
and you know he subverted expectations that way from like just being a guy that has songs in his living room and then he let he was just pretty much like I'm done and the noise pop announcer was like well we have all these requests if you want to play one more song and he's like sure I'll take a request and he's like okay well I don't know what you can play but this first request somebody's asked for Twin Falls he's like sure I'll play Twin Falls <laughs> and <laughs> it was just like yes like he was just like yeah I'll play one more song it was a request so that's another way to you know keep people invested and then he was out that's incredible dude because I feel like a lot of these live streams that I've been popping my head into only to stay for two or three minutes are becoming that of social media at large which is just like you can't stay focused on something unless someone pops a booty pick right or or gets half naked which I'm all about I'm all about you know freedom of expression and body Absolutely. positivity but when I tune in to see a musical artist you know go after some material that I would like to hear. I don't need to see side boob or like cock bulge. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't need to see I, I don't that. need to I don't need to see David Bowie's Labyrinth like right up in my face. Right. If I wanted to watch that, I'll watch David Bowie's Labyrinth. That's precise dance magic dance. Oh yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. You, you remind me of the babe. The babe what with babe? the power. What power? The power of the voodoo. Who do? You do. Do what? Remind me of the babe. All right, I think that's enough to start us off. Let's do this. Welcome. Let's hit it. Parade. episode eight yes i don't like <laughs> i'm glad we can keep count of our own episodic natures here you know i've almost lost count and we haven't had that many we haven't me. had we haven't had many at all i mean at, at this point we're still considered a netflix limited series yeah yeah i guess this would be our last episode this would be our last episode and on so that note i have some bad news to give again to. are you gonna fake quit again i'm gonna fake quit again because it's my favorite thing to do yeah. and you know it's kind of like a trauma bond in a relationship you yeah know, i like, always get rocked when it happens i'm like this one he could be telling the truth this he could time. be telling the truth and also it keeps us together it's kind of that like uh every couple of months we're gonna break up and then right. a week later we're gonna get back together and we're gonna be like we're stronger than ever now yeah, a um, toxic ebb and flow Yes, the toxic ebb and flow of Cam and Al's uh, distant, long-distance pod relationship mm. um, is really just getting out of control. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and give a round of applause for our host, Mr. Cameron Demetric, the sultry-voiced post-punk king of Los Angeles, everybody! Oh, wow. That is the biggest introduction you've ever given me, and it's nice because I forgot to do an introduction at all. And of course, we have our co-host, Al Moore. Oh please, please go on, go on. Thank I don't, you. I don't, I don't have like a tag for you. I got to come up with one because it feels really underhanded after you. No, you know what, dude? I'm just a co-host. I'm an afterthought. No, that's that is crazy talk. You are the reason that this is reborn. Listen, Cam, I'm a child of divorce. I've been walked out on by plenty of people in my life. Speaking it's of that, okay. I got to go grab a pack of cigs, but I will be oh, back. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> See you in 23 years. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is, I'm not going to walk out on you, I promise. Jesus. You, uh, you sound really scrumptious today, just to let well, you know. Well, you could probably tell I'm, I started drinking coffee again. 
About, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? I can't tell you because I'm drinking coffee. I don't have, I, 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 about three days ago. <laughs> did, were you on a coffee break? I haven't had coffee for seven, maybe eight months. Holy shit. I thought yeah. this I thought the sleepy-eyed nature of Cam over the past 7 months was just kind of a, a seduction technique. Well, I'm very stoned usually. That's probably it. But <laughs> usually I also have coffee in me so I'm just extremely talkative and strange. We call that hippie flipping. Yeah. Uh that's exactly what it call what I call it. But um When's the last time you smoked any meth? I've never smoked meth. What? You've never Not twisted the bulb? Oh, no, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've probably snorted something in college that had plenty of meth in it. You know, you went to college. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, how, you know, if if I was uh, filling out a resume, I I get that some college box. You know. Oh, you didn't graduate. Well, I I went to a university and then I went to a trade school. I went to a recording art school. I graduated what? from there, but that's only a nine month program. Did you go to Full Sail? No, I went to the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Tempe, Arizona. And you, what? You lived in Tempe, Arizona? How have I never for, known this? For, yeah, for like 10 months I lived in Arizona. And I, I am so I hate, sorry. No, I, I actually so did it right. I lived in Arizona from October to May. No, no, it was September to May. So I avoided So you weren't this. there for a summer? No, I, I did not do a summer there. But even even though I didn't, it felt like summer every day. Believe you me. <laughs> I mean... Uh, no, it doesn't feel like summer in Arizona until you're there for an 115 degree day. Yeah, I, Guaranteed. I, did, I did not have to do that, but learned a lot about recording in nine months, uh, was crammed full of knowledge, and then you forget it all as soon as you leave. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's basically like getting your degree from DeVry. Right. Yeah. yeah it, it's just I, we spent like half of the time there learning how to use an analog tape machine. Yeah, which uh, if you decided to to put that on your resume now, you would only be able to record artists who had over $100,000 in their bank account. And even those artists do not use the analog tape machine in the studio. It is used as a coffee table, I noticed, when I started working in studios. <laughs> and Speaking then of coffee, eventually, eventually it's used as, or it gets to the point where somebody, a producer or somebody's like, why is this in my way? <laughs> Um, you really are speaking like an auctioneer right now. Am I? I? Think, is it too much? No, I think it's beautiful. I'm going to have a hard time keeping up today. About, about to, I feel like maybe you have the caffeine in you and I'm just kind of slumping sometimes, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be spitballing here now. This is great because yes, I always have the caffeine in me, but as we were talking before we even pressed roll on this, I'm a week into my weed break. So my brain has turned into Gerber baby food mush. Interesting. Uh, which seems counterintuitive. You would think that I would start to be a little bit more sharpened or honed without the marijuana, without the I think that takes much stream. longer. Yeah, it's going to take another couple weeks. By our ninth episode, if we can keep count, I am going to be basically a philosopher. Yeah, it's going to be borderline annoying. It's it's going net borderline. No, it's going to be really annoying. But today, I feel like I'll make thought. Yes. Well, so, he, he'll be this. Luckily, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the lead on this. It is my episode. It side is a. episode. It is it is yours. It is side A, and we. So have, I'm gonna take the reins on this list, big time. Oh my god, I can't wait, dude! I'm just gonna sit here and listen to you. Maybe I won't even say anything. I mean, I would like you to contribute, mostly just gushing about what I say. 
I, I always gush about what you say. It's very Not rarely. We had a weird week last, or a weird we, pod yeah, last week. I actually didn't know if we were going to talk about that. The Cascading Shame Fest? It was, the Cascading it was weird. Shame Fest. It has been a, uh, it's kind of been a roller coaster of the past two episodes. We had a great yeah. episode six with the Pod Fest. Oh, man, the best. The best. What was the name of the Pod Fest again, Cam? The Goat Parade Pod Fest Good Times During Bad Times Quarantine Extravaganza. Extravaganza! If oh, you haven't wow, listened to it, stop now, go back, play it. You know how many times I say that in an episode. But as it's all we the best were, local bands. As we were riding the coattails of the the highest echelons of the greatest local artists in Los Angeles, we decided, or rather, I decided to fuck that right up and bring a list to <laughs> side B, which was my episode and episode seven, and we talked about our guilty pleasures. Mm. Um, and, Did we ever? And if you didn't listen to that episode, I'm going to go ahead and entice you just a slight bit. Cam said that Orgy's cover of New Order's Blue Monday is better than the original. I said greater than or equal to. That's the same fucking thing, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I went back and I listened, and I'm I'm not right. I just knew that would rile you, so I, I had to have one that would rile you. Yeah, you did. And me picking Damian Rice's "The Blower's Daughter" for my number one it's guilty pleasure was enough to rile you, know, you as well. I, I made the I made a playlist. It's on our on the Go Parade Spotify. All those songs that we chose are on there. But that Damien Rice song ruins the whole momentum of the it whole really thing. It really does. Yeah, you're having fun. And you're then having you fun hear, no matter what. All the songs are silly. So they're upbeat. And then you're like, why? Why is this song here? Just like you said it would be. But yeah, you're but right. The Goofy Movie song, I don't have the connection with. Great song, though. It fucking rips, dude. Powerline is awesome. Yeah. And the Alice DJ song, Better Off Alone, of course, I know that song. I just... Dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 I don't think you need to be ashamed of that at all. I'm only ashamed of it because it was probably on a happy to be hardcore compilation. Oh, I remember those. You remember those with like 180 the BPM, cover the, baby. Oh, dude, 180 <laughs> BPM all day. Do I love that shit? Oh, uh, it, again, it still ma- when I listen to that tune, it makes me want to put on some fucking genie pants and snowboard goggles and like go to a rave and suck on a, yeah. an acid sucker for two <laughs> hours. <laughs> Well, today's list will not be embarrassing. It's actually going to make us look very cool because we're going to be going over the best opening songs on debut albums. Yes, track one, side one, when the needle drops first impressions in the long play form, um, which we is got, actually we got it's barn burners, important. we got shit kickers, we got we classics, got bus dusters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a little bit of everything for this list. Um, well, you're going to have even more to say today because you're all yacked up on caffeine. Legal speed, the American way, as Lagwagon says. <laughs> uh, well, it is a pleasure to be back here with you today, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, no, I'm, I'm it's been a weird couple this. of weeks. Also, like the the whole like time being. Uh, like the delineation of time has been completely thrown out the window. It feels like we did our last episode yesterday or three years ago. And I can't yeah, make everything up my mind about is, it. I can't ever, I never know what day it is or, or what day of the week it is. It's, it's October, right? <laughs> I think so. October 31st. Mm, happy Halloween, brother. Yep. Uh, it's not going to be. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, <laughs> every day it's getting closer and closer to my favorite holiday being terrible this year. Halloween uh, is your favorite holiday? Oh, big time. I mean, yeah, the big time. 
Well, you I mean, know what I, they I say. I usually do between three or four costumes a year. Wow. Yeah. You know what they say, right? What do they say? You can't spell Halloween without Al, baby. Without <laughs> Hal? You say Hal or without Al? Without Al. Al. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I celebrate. First, I was like Al? Like O-W-L? No, I, guess that I, checks. Cel- no? I celebrate Halloween every year. Ooh, I like that. I'll go to <laughs> Halloween party big time. <laughs> Also, just to let you know, and this is kind of weird, I almost decided to do today's episode naked. I wouldn't have ever known. You don't even have to tell me that kind of thing. I wanted to tell you because I might do it next week and I might actually bring it up for it to be a topic of conversation of how weird or, or awkward and or liberating it is to do an episode as such naked. Well, you, I'll allow it, but I will say I'm my only rule or stipulation on that is Pixar didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? You don't want you don't want to pick, homie. That's like Where's Waldo. <laughs> <laughs> I was a huge fan of Where's Waldo. Are you saying everything below the shirt line is uh, is white, very hard white to, and red? No, very hard to notice. Uh, it takes a second to pick it out of a crowd, is what I'm getting at. Right. And there's a lot of random people that look like other that look like you in there, but it's not yeah. you. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have analyzed that metaphor so heavily. I'm well, sorry you know about what that. they say: you can't spell analyze without Al. <laughs> <laughs> All okay, right, that's I think, a, that's I think we've been shit. hilarious. You want to do some tunes? Well, it's your side, a dude. You go first. You start talking, Mister Caffeination, and <laughs> I'm just gonna do my best to follow. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're really gonna have to hold on for this one, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's uh, been a lot of good music out. There has over the last since the last one. I mean, you know, I've been looking forward to that perfume genius, which just dropped. I still haven't listened to the whole record, and I'm I'm almost I'm scared to listen to it because I'm looking so much. I'm I'm looking forward to it so much that like I don't want it to be behind me. Right. No, I feel that. Um, yeah, I've 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 done like two spins of it so far, but I'm definitely saving it for more interesting scenarios. You know. Right. You mean but, being uh, out in the world? Yes, that's what I mean. But yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, what I brought in today um, isn't technically new. Um, it's just an artist I've been a fan of for almost a decade now. There you go, breaking your own rules again, Mr. <laughs> Host. But he did just release all his instrumental stuff in one collection uh, and put it up on Spotify and all the streaming services. So. It is new in that regard. It is technically a new release, but the song from itself is from 2011. You know what? Times are fucking hard, dude. I'm going to go ahead and give this one to you. All right. Uh, the artist is Clams Casino. Who Can, I'm do not- you know anything about the name Clams Casino? I believe it's a dish. Oh, I was not aware of that. Yes, I believe I, I believe because I was Googling Clams Casino, this is how I know this because the first thing that came up on Google was the dish itself, which is clams with, um, I don't know, like, some like cheese and green peppers. I don't know. Oh, that I've never sounds had it. so good right now. It does sound good. I'm, I, I agree with you there. But Clams Casino has been around for a while. I mean, he's done. I, I guess you would categorize him as cloud rap or something like that. I don't know. Whoa, what the kids I've are never heard that genre classification before. Can you it's, can you explain uh, that? I can't. Uh, probably sound. <laughs> sa- Thank I you thought for it meant honesty. more sound cloud rap, but I think it means more like kind of like a haze to it even. Um, so more ethereal or yes, uh, okay. but you know he's done a lot of tracks for ASAP Rocky, Lil B, Vince Staples, uh, Mac Miller, uh, just a lot of more underground hip hop. Uh, but I I first 
heard of him in around around 2011 with his instrumental EPs, and they were just totally chill, smoke out vibe uh, instrumental music. So it's like chill wave rap. Yeah, totally. Um, like beats, like you could take the, the 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 actual drum part out of all of his tracks, and it would just be like atmospheric, almost ambient music. Huh. But kind of heavy. Cool. Um, the the first song on this instrumental relics album that just came out is called "I'm God," and I love actually, the title. Yeah, I love that title so much. Which is what I'm going to play, and it says featuring Imogen Heap on uh, on the album now. But that's only because it took till April 2020 to clear that license. Apparently, wow. So now it just says featuring. Well, when I listened to this yesterday, I was so excited to hear Imogen's voice again because I hadn't heard her since what that debut record came out in. Yeah, how long ago was that? 2003, four, maybe something like that. Um, So I I thought that maybe it was a new feature until you obviously uh, burst that bubble, which is your favorite thing to do with me. Oh, really? Yeah, but we're not going to get into that here. Oh, boy. Here comes that toxic yin and yang. (laughs) Wow, I need to start smoking weed again, don't I? Um, Uh, Maybe drink some coffee, too. (laughs) Maybe drink some coffee, too. Um, No, but this this tune is great, and not only because I'm a gambling addict and it has casino in the name of the artist, um, and also I love clams, uh, but the cloud rap that you just described, is that what you said, cloud rap? Cloud rap, yeah, that's what I'm seeing as a genre for a lot of this. Or uh, this is an old one, Witch House. Remember Witch House? Witch House was that? A, is that a band? <laughs> Probably. It but is definitely a band. Yeah. That's also a genre that was going around around the same time as Chill Wave. Witch it was when, House. Yeah. I I am just so perplexed by Witch well, okay. House. Well, I'll explain it to you then. In 2010, an artist came out, or I believe it was a group called salem do you remember salem no but it, it which house is starting to make a little bit more sense to me now they got hit with which house but it was after people this is 2010 so people are in his pc there was a lot of genre names for their music coming out uh, one was haunted house i always thought that was a good one haunted house is cool but the bad one that came out that started circulating was rape gaze what yeah and Dude. that like that was a that that term was going around in 2010 for the span. It almost kind of ruined their career. People were actually saying that, like casually approaching the conversation of this genre classification by calling it rape gaze. Yeah, this is a different. I mean, it's not ten years ago, but I mean, a lot is we've go, gone through a lot of progression last. I mean, That's this is like true. hangover movie time. You know, that you makes know? me like, ashamed to even have lived through 2010 that people were saying that. I mean, That's even f- then though, it was getting heat that that was like the genre name it got it it got moved to witch house pretty quick and i God, remember that's what came out people of sometimes i know it was a really stupid thing to genreize and I, I as i said i think it kind of made salem a forgotten thing i mean their album wasn't great there was a couple pretty hot tracks on it but uh clams casino came out right after all that and was actually more streamed towards beats and and like hip-hop artists but still had kind of that that dark haze of it over it which you'll hear in the song speaking of let's get into some of this witch house let's do it i just told a whole story from the last decade without anybody being able to hear a song so let's listen let's hit this song what's it what's what's the uh the name of the artist and the song called again clams casino i'm god
Man, you picked the wrong time to stop smoking weed. Yeah, because that just song... lays down to some Clams Casino right oh, there. Oh, that would have been a really nice journey. I'm actually now regretting my decision so much more heavily. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that peer pressure. I just had to bring it up. How, Everybody's doing how it. How much of a blazer that is. That's just a blazing song. That is a blazing song. And it's, I'm God. It, I, I understand the witch house thing a little more now. Mm-hmm. Because it there 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 are some obviously like insidious tendencies in the overtones of and of a song like that itself. That's uh, as as a uh, aspiring horror movie composer. That's my shit. Yeah, I can definitely see you getting down on something like that too. That's um, the goal. That is that, the goal. That's uh, how I age gracefully. It's it. We were also into talking, retirement. Yeah, if. I mean, are, I feel like we're more retired now than we ever have been, right? Oh, everyone's retired right now. That's true. Wow, did we start this? Did <laughs> Would that be a conspiracy that we should start pushing on people that we were so tired of being the only two retired musicians in Los <laughs> yeah, Angeles of, that we started? A bunch of conspiracy theories, theorists are going to be like, if you go back in the GOAT parade, you could see that they were planning <laughs> this shit from the start. <laughs> Dude, you know there's some rednecks who would bite that shit. You yeah. know. Oh, that could get us big, though. That'll get a lot more people on our Patreon. There would be a lot of people. Speaking of, should we? Pl- I mean, you just plug Pl- the Patreon. Yeah, let's shamelessly plug the Patreon. <laughs> people are getting involved. That was good, man. That wasn't. I mean, that was really sneaky too. Yeah, I like it. Right. That was good. Um, if you become a Patreon member, you are our friend forever. Yes, and we'll do special things to you. And we'll that sounded gross. That sounded really weird. But you can't edit that out. I'm gonna no, make you leave that one in there because it I was won't. sexy, and I kind of have a chub now. Congratulations! Yeah, and it was totally innocent. It just came out weird because I'm high. <laughs> oh, you're making me want to smoke weed. Oh, so sorry. Hard I'm gonna right be now. doing that. This is gonna be so weird because I'm so jacked up on coffee, and I'm just gonna get more and more stoned. And you're going to be over there just hating life. Uh, that's what I'm doing, but at least I'm having a great time talking to you. That's good. I hope you still continue to do that as I get more and more stoned and jacked up. Well, that last song that we heard was Clams Casino, and the track was called I'm God. Oh, man, what a great... And that's the first song on Instrumental Relics, the collection he just put out. What a great way to start an album. That just, is a really cool way to I'm start God. an album. Which, you know, we'll get into other cool ways to start an album, especially your first album a little later with our list. Also, the song title. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, a religious person. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I don't subscribe to any particular religion because I do believe that irrevocable commitment to any religion is intellectual suicide. Uh-huh. But I do believe that we are all God to a certain degree within that mindset of spirituality. I and get that. that that song definitely has that feeling to it. It it, yeah. it, it evokes that um, that that inner field of connectivity with oneself right. in the larger unified field of existence. Yeah, I just feel like titling it that, calling the song "I'm God," after you hear what that song sounds like, makes it so much more of a confident track. You know what I mean? Yeah, it adds to it, and that's where. The title of a song can really add to the pretense or, or the, the meaning or the message of a song. I mean, a big reason I got really into post-rock music was the song titles and the album titles. Yeah, because you they're know? creative and inventive. Because um, there's no lyrics, and so you know that there's so much writing on the song title because that's the only 
you know, language message you get to convey. Kind of like picking up a Godspeed, you Black Emperor record. Exactly, or Explosions in the Sky. Uh, like they, they both do great jobs with titling, sometimes a little bit too much titling. Yeah, a little bit too much, but it, it evokes the, the purpose of a poem in that Absolutely. regard. And then the music poem. feels like a, yeah, the music feels like a tone poem. Well, that was an incredible tone poem, although that was an Imagine Heap sample from God knows how long ago. Yeah, and now she's fully credited, so they married the two. Uh, Well, thank you for bringing that tune, Cam. I I enjoyed bringing it. It That was was hot. That was super hot. And it was a groover. I I, I think, you know... The whole whole album's fun. It's, it's It's long form. You know, it's like 16, 17 tracks, and it's just something to you know, relax to. Really. Is the 14 plus LP a dead art? No, it's, it's coming back full swing, baby. Cause it's because it of really? quarantine. Quarantine is expanding the long form art. It's you really uh, believe so. Absolutely. Next week, uh, a very, well, when you guys hear this, this, this Friday, uh, is an album. I'm extremely excited about the new 1975 album notes on a conditional <laughs> form. And it is 22 tracks long. Oh 80, my God. 80 minutes in length. Wow, I mean that's 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 the length of a of a B horror film. Speaking of yeah. horror again, you Absolutely. know, like uh, that's yeah, I mean, uh, close to an hour and a half of a record is a really difficult thing to achieve these days. I don't. I think it's because people have time. De- artists are definitely trying to capitalize on the idea that it could be the time to do it. I mean, I know Moses Sumney just dropped his double album. Have you listened to it? Is it good? I haven't heard that one yet because I've been listening to the Perfume Genius album, which came out the same day. I haven't jumped into the Moses Sumney record yet, but I've heard it's fantastic, and it's a double album as well. I mean, it's just a lot of... I read an interview with Maddie from 1975, and that's basically what he said. He's like, it's a long-form art and people can kind of ingest that way right now. So I don't know if people are, but the idea that they have the time is definitely a thing. Well, I'm hoping that they are uh, taking into account that our Goat Parade episodes uh, stream anywhere from an hour and a half to two days in length. Right. Yeah, I believe the last one went on for two full days. Yeah. Two full but- days, yeah. It, um, it was... It was more conceptual art than anything or contemporary yeah. in that regard. I mean, we should really just be streaming in Mocha right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Los Angeles should have you and I... As soon as do, it opens back up, we'll, we'll, we'll be the first there and we'll be like, we're actually a part of this now. We're going to be doing a podcasting filibuster session at the Museum of Contemporary Art uh, for the sake of art itself. Right. They'll check the. They'll check with their boss. They're like, two white males in their 30s want to do a podcast in here? Because <laughs> that is a novel idea. Right. That's never been done. That's never been done. We are the first. But... Might I say again in an interjection, if it may please the court, that we did start this before the 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 Puvid sixty nine hit the marketplace, yeah. and there was there was some to be said. You know, the, the, I feel like the episodes where we were hanging out person to person maybe hit a bit different. You know, they definitely hit differently. I don't know if they're better or worse. You know, we're, we've got a flow now, but we do they, have a flow now. But uh, I mean. Going back to the conversation that we were having, and maybe I shouldn't be bringing this up, and maybe this is something you're going to edit out here, but let's just see how it plays. Going back to the conversation we were having right before we started this of the horniness of single people in quarantine. Right. um, Obviously, you know, coitus or intercourse with another human being hits much differently 
than either flicking the bean or you know jerking the yerk right. while you're just alone, you know, seven days a week trying to get through this thing. Yeah. So jerking the yerk, I like that. jerking the yerk. I don't know where that came from. That was fresh <laughs> out the kitchen, my dude. TM. but yeah i felt like our face-to-face sessions definitely slapped a little differently because we were able to play off each other's gestures right Um, so you're saying basically what you're saying is you're not as horny when i'm not in front of you i actually lost you there no what i'm saying is (laughs) is that our physical interplay with one another actually inspires me more than just you know facetime audioing you and like dumping our files into our respective recording software Wait, does this have anything to do with you jerking your yerk <sighs> you might have to edit that one out <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, no i love it i love it i, no, I know what you mean though well, speaking of Jerk and the Yerk, this song... That, no way you have a segue for that. Um, ...is from one of my favorite local artists. And yes, I am returning to my local Love throne. it, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I really am. I mean, I've become the 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 written king of local contributions here. Um, but it's... I it's, love that. It's it's heroic. It's it's a pleasure. It, it is... Thank you for... I've, no, no one's it's, ever I called love, me... Yeah, no, you are. No not all heroes. Not all heroes wear capes. Some of them wear well-tailored blue blazers. <laughs> Every wow. time I see you, you're in some sort of well-tailored blazer. Wow, you just pegged me. Uh, I'm like a like a square peg in a round hole, buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm very excited that you brought this in. I had never heard of this local artist. This song is a party. I'm very pumped. It really is a party. And back to the whole local thing. Like I just feel so grateful to be surrounded by local talent and a lot of these people that i bring in or that we bring in maybe i don't know them uh you know so intimately but Mm -hmm. we've crossed each other's paths we've shared stages we follow each other on social media so on and so forth and that's that's what this this next artist that i'm about to play is really all about i don't know him too well but i have been a fanboy uh since the first time that I that I that I heard him, um, and we were sharing a stage at the Moroccan Lounge for a residency. I feel like okay. it was two years ago. Um, it was the second cowgirl show in the first iteration of the group, which is right. a long story for a completely different pod. Yeah, I played with that iteration the first show. You right? did you? Yeah. Yes, the first giant waste of man show was actually the first cowgirls bill as well. It was a, it was a big couple of firsts there. That's a nice memory to stumble upon. It is. Uh, yeah, I had a we. You and I actually got into a Radiohead argument as you guys were on the stage. Right. I feel like we've even talked about this on the pod. It's popular, which I know it's coming, and I'm very concerned about it. But there is what? going to be a time where the list for this pod is going to have to be what are the best Radiohead albums. In I order. mean, yes, it's, it's sequentially, and it's gonna be, it's gonna get ugly. It is going to get ugly. I feel like that's one that we're gonna have to wait for until this is over because we're gonna have to be face to face, just in case we fight physically. We're we're going to fight, and maybe we even set up a room mic to. To, to catch the to, fight. To capture us fist fighting, dude. Getting into fisticuffs. That might over... have to be videotaped. You know, that might be something special for our Patreon people. You know, if you subscribe to our Patreon, 
we will fist fight for you over the radio. <laughs> I like that, dude. That's a really good incentivization for people yeah. to become a Patreon member right the fuck now. Stop the episode. Go become a <laughs> Patreon member. Uh, um, but all of that aside, I digress. Let's get back to this Sorry, artist. Yeah. Um, Tolliver, correct? Tolliver. His name is Tolliver. And this particular tune uh, is is entitled Petty. <clears throat> and it's a brand new effort on his regard. It's just a single. I don't know if it's leading to a record, but I did see uh, yesterday as I was listening to it yet again. It's only been out for about a week now. Uh, Side One Dummy put this out. Really? So seemingly he maybe just signed a deal or maybe they're kind of testing that's, the waters. That's fantastic. With, good good for It's him. really cool because he's incredibly talented. He's so unique. I, I can't even... I, I, I can't even talk about his his boundless uniqueness enough, which is one of the things that has drawn me to him. Um, but I'm hoping that the single goes well and that there's a that there's an LP in the works here because yeah. um, he's been he's been dishing some EPs and singles here and there, um, and they're all com- completely enigmatic. They're they're all so like he's he's got this he's got this fear fearlessness. Um, and, and as far as satiating his own desires as an artist and, yeah. and it, it really, it, 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 it motivates me. It inspires me. Um, I think there's been, we've been following each other and talking, I mean, so rarely, but there was one time after that Moroccan show, uh, I, we were first of three and he was the direct support for the, the group that was doing the residency. And that was one of the only times I can remember, of being forced to be a fan of a project. Like you go see a show, you're like, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to become a fan of this. I am electively choosing to become a fan. Right. But when he started playing, which was a pretty, it was a bare minimal setup. I believe there was maybe one other person doing some samples with with him on stage. Um, He's got this like, I, 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 I just, I shut the fuck up immediately and became (laughs) a fan. I felt like I was again, forced to become a fan. Like I didn't right. have any other option. Right. You're just um, like, where's any of your music available? I need to be having this. This needs to go into my ears right now. Precisely. And it's such a weird mix of, of like ambient poetry and like his, his, his catalog other than the single that I'm about to play. Right. And, and like a lot of weird kind of blippy R and B stuff. Um, but his, his lyricisms are <clears throat> really profound and suggestive and seductive and um and that's the shit that i live for also he's like 10 feet tall (laughs) and he's got this like sexy scarecrow thing going on like i i feel like tolliver reminds me of the headless horseman if he wasn't fucking with Ichabod Crane and came into town to take away all the homophobes to torture them. There was something sexy about the Headless Horseman in every iteration. Absolutely. And and Tolliver evokes that with me and the way he moves, he doesn't move, he slinks. Oh, nice. See, I gotta see this, well, whenever I can see this live. We're never gonna be able to see live music ever again. This is is the first thing I listened to this morning uh, because you sent it to me last night and I've, I mean, look how pumped up I am right now. Just talking to you. It just and it's was not a, just the caffeine. It's the no, quality of the track as well. No, it's, it, it, it set the tone for the whole day. So I'm very excited to hear it again. I'm really enjoying this, this one. This track by Tolliver feels 
kind of like a little departure from what I've heard in the sense that it is a hell of a lot more upbeat right. um, very... and, and danceable. I think we, we, you and I were talking about it yesterday, and I said something to the effect of it feels like a like a drag-inspired Jamiroquai song. Oh, nice. Which, for me, makes a lot of sense. Totally. Um, and because it, it has that rolling bass line. It's got that thump. Um, and the first line, the opening line of the song is talking about eating ass. So oh, yeah. there's nothing better than that suggestivity for me. Um, I'm yeah, I'm, let's get into it. Jeez. Let's get into it. This <laughs> I can tell you're getting a little bothered. I'm just uh, like, put on the song. <laughs> this I'm like, song, I didn't even catch the eating ass line. Let's do this. Oh, dude, just wait for it. Um, this song is by the artist Tolliver, and it is entitled Petty. Oh, 
Tolliver with Petty. I love that song. That was I great. really love that song. That Not was only a lot of fun. is it incredibly entertaining to listen to, but again, like it's so suggestive. Oh, big time. Uh, I mean, back to the opening line, y'all can eat my ass. Um, <laughs> kind of for me describes his entire approach to to like personification and right. and just so unabashedly being himself. And I can't respect that more in an artist. Totally. Also, like his vocal range goes from a baritone to a falsetto. I know, I noticed that. It's wild. It's so wild. And then even at the, you know, the 135, 137 mark, he breaks into a rap. Right. Um, which it's hard to define exactly like the the genre of of what of he style. is. Yeah. And you and I have discussed kind of at length here that the biggest fascination uh, for for artists or for our indulgence in an artist, even though it peeves us a little bit, and maybe uh-huh. even more so because it peeves us a little bit, is not being able to so specifically define someone. Right, and not that I'm trying to put somebody in a box there, but I just I, that's one of the best things about new music that I fall in love with is that it is hard to define, and that's a lot of times what makes it so interesting. And this is a prime example Absolutely. of that. It's a poster child of that. There's, yeah, there's so much in this. There's like, you know, there's vi- like almost Prince vibes. So much Prince. Yeah, there's there's funk, there's soul, there's hip hop. Yeah, I love that song. I can't that say I can't say too many good things about it. And I know that that's going to be one that I'm jamming for a while. I really hope yeah, um, that that's this single make it onto goes, the playlist. Oh yeah. I feel Big like time. and I felt this I felt this way for a while about Tolliver since I saw him on stage. I kind of feel like he's budding into the category of a next big thing. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. This has that vibe. I even got into uh, that classic hipster argument. Actually, it was with Britt, Britt Witt, our our first guest ever on the Goat Parade, of whom we've discussed quite a bit. Um, The argument was detailing who heard of and found Tolliver first. Oh, one of those. Nice. Yes. So I I sent her the song and she's like, oh my God, I love Tolliver. And I'm like, I do too, motherfucker. And she's like, yeah, I remember seeing him at so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I saw him before that. You know, I even shared a stage with him. Right. We didn't go full-fledged like into fuck you, I heard him first territory, but there was some terseness yeah. surrounding who had listened to Tolliver first. Uh, I've been, it's such a silly argument, but for some reason it means something <laughs> it yeah well it's all cred based totally. i mean yeah, there's of course n- the, nothing wields as much power as oh i've been listening to them forever right or i have their first press edition on vinyl you know i like, to, it, I like to do the backhand one. this is how i do it i do a backhanded one where it sounds like a compliment you ready for this the complisult yeah i'm ready yeah. i go oh man i wish i could just hear that album for the first time again like you are <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Is that it's, Rook- a, it's like wow, you're such a rookie. That's so uh, such a great time in my life. I hope you're enjoying it. You know, wow. what I mean? requesting backup shots fired. Is yeah. what that files under. I'm going to use that. I might even text Brit right after this is done and say that. Yeah, to be like, oh, I, I wish I could hear Tolliver for the first time again. It's it sounds like it's you're saying something nice, you know? Right? Yeah, like you're reminiscing. Yeah, yeah. but you're not. 
you well, know what con- you're doing. Congratulations, Tolliver, on the new single release. Yes, and, it's fantastic. And the hopeful record deal with Side One Dummy, and that's yeah, it's it, awesome. What's, what's it's it's so awesome too about Side One Dummy because Side One Dummy usually uh, has a pretty specific genre that they go for you know i don't know um, i think it's i think they've loosened the the constraints of that over the last decade or two but yeah it used to be more you know punk rock based yeah and the fact that they're expanding you're right i feel like they have loosened the parameters or or the the uh the prerequisites of of what they need from an artist or what they would rather sign and i hope this kind of ushers or continues to usher them in to uh considering artists such as Tolliver who are definitely going to make their mark on this world at some point yeah i mean i i wish we could plug a tour or i mean maybe maybe you could find him on on the internet doing live streams who just knows? go find him his there's his, no use us plugging anything anymore you can just go on the internet and find anything just find it and also his internet persona is fucking hilarious there's nothing wrong with this guy it, right. it is what i'm getting at he's perfect in every way um and i believe he just put out a video for this as well so please go oh, nice. find yeah go find tolliver um and and become a fan as we both are now yes um and speaking of making marks, what is the most important mark you could possibly make in this world as a musician? Your first impression, I would imagine. Your first impression, which would mean track one, side one on your debut effort. So should we bump into this Listomania right Let's now? Let's get listening. Listomania, Listomania. So this list initially, we had talked about doing the high fidelity side A track one list that they do in the movie, which is your favorite movie of all time. right? No, not really. But you I mean, wa- you want Cam? You want to be John Cusack? No, in this film. I don't want to be all narcissistic and up my own ass about my B- breakups, bent out of shape about everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if anything, I'm more of the nerdy employee. No, uh, because you don't like Bell and Sebastian. I like some songs by Bell and Sebastian. I just overall think their albums are long and they're too thick for my record collection. Every one of their <laughs> albums, it's like side A, B, C, D, E, and You're F. I'm right. like, really? They, they like to do they're the They're taking double all the B section because my wife, Bunny, has so many Bell and Sebastian records that like, there's no room for my Bleak 182 records. Wait, is Bunny a Bell and Sebastian fan? Oh, big time. Dude, I fucking love Jessica so much. We yeah, have a Pedro she's got the a better Lion. T- she's got a better taste in music than me, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, why, that's one of the so first much. things that I fell in love with her about. Dude, like, when, I come, when I come over for the first time after all this is done and we sit down and rip a J, because I'll certainly be smoking weed again right. by then, Bunny and I are just going to put on, uh, if you're feeling sinister, in its Yo, entirety... Quick, Quick bunny and, story, just because this is like how I knew like this girl was different. Because you know, when you're dating in Hollywood, things are always weird. You know, things but are very weird. Yeah, we, you know, we started dating almost the beginning of last decade, 2010, 2011, and she wanted to go to the Sunset Strip. This is back when I was a bro- not a retired musician, but just a broke musician and a broken one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, she wanted to go see X at the House of Blues. Fuck yeah, dude! And like, I'm like, screw it. You know, I I I'll I just put on credit card. I'll, I'll buy her some drinks, buy her tickets to see the show. I want to go on a date with this girl, right? And I'm like, afterwards, she can come party and see all my band friends at like my manager's place. And I'm be so, so cool. Sick. I'm so fucking cool. Yeah. And we saw the show, and she didn't really want to go. 
to Silver Lake now and go hang out at my manager's place. And I'm like, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, he lives with Christian from Edward Sharp. And she just interrupts me and goes, oh, I'm sorry, did you drop something? And I like looked around my feet and I'm like, no. And she's like, oh, it sounded like you dropped something. But oh she was talking God. about what I was do- <laughs> saying. My manager lives with Christian from Edward Sharp. Cause like, I thought that was cool. What's, what's even cool about that? Like nobody even There's likes Edward cool Sharp. Of, nobody no. ever liked Edward Sharp. They're like the least nope. liked Los Angeles band ever. So I don't know why I thought that would make sound cool. I would but have I proposed just, to her right then and there. <laughs> what took you so long? Right. I mean, I just, well, I was hurt, but like now that I'm not that person anymore, like that kind of hurt to my ego. I'm like, God, that's such a good thing. You know, the the thing about being that person versus this person is that it, the, the tattered ego is still there. It's just now you've made friends with it and you realize yeah. how funny it is. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, dude, Jessica, a.k.a. Bunny, a.k.a. my wife, as you sometimes call her. I just, I cannot love you enough. If you're listening, does she even listen to these? I think she... Um she she used to, but now that we're quarantined, I feel like she hears enough of me preparing for it and like some of me recording it. She's kind of like, I get the point. Well, she gets a lot of play on these episodes. I, I think that would embarrass her too. So she's probably just steering clear of it. She's got her own <laughs> podcast, a lot of a lot of Bravo TV podcasts, recapping episodes from Bravo shows. She likes those more of that kind of vibe. Well, hopefully she listens to this one because I yeah, it, it's a good I, story. I keep stumbling over these these musical likenesses that we share. Especially you guys do have like a bunch from the Scottish tween of Bell and Sebastian to you know the minimal, uh, sad emo folk of Pedro the Lion. We we share a lot of commonplace in our right. tastes. That's uh, great. W- wow, that was a sidetrack. What were we talking about? Uh, we were starting the list, but then I started talking about my wife. I think you're kind of coming onto her or something. Yes, yeah. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, I'm alone over here during right. quarantine, so I'm coming on to anyone that I possibly can. Right. In, in the Even most... Even adjacent. You're talking to me on a pod and kind of trying to get, get me to give some good notes to my wife. Uh, I just want to drop something around her now so she, <laughs> she can say the same thing to me. God, what a legendary story of a first date. Also, the fact that she convinced you, not even convinced, because X fucking rules, even in their later years. That's why I didn't really want to go to that show, because I, even though I grew up in punk rock, I don't know X that well. And I oh, knew really? It was, I, I know them, but I don't know them as well as a lot of bands. I know more now because I've listened to a lot of them with her. But so I was embarrassed that I wouldn't know any of the songs, and I already oh, kind of man. told her I'm like, yeah, I like X for sure. Yeah, fuck yeah, X rules. Um, <laughs> maybe you just missed like uh, people miss a lot of Los Angeles punk, right? I mean, I feel like L- my LA Los Angeles, my Los punk. Angeles punk band was the Germs, of course. Yeah, like, that and was, they were that was the were, one that was like I was so in love with the Germs growing up. Well, they're still number one, I think, in, in on the influential scale of Los Angeles punk. Right. But X was right up there. If and, there, and were X one, is still going. I mean, they dropped an album, I think, like last week. It was. I think. I think it was a little long. It, was it last week? A couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think it's called Alphabet Land, a new X album. They're just still going. I'm gonna have to listen to that because that rules. I yeah. love the fact when they're old, badass. When old salty punk bands keep going. It, it really, it means, it, it, it restores faith in humanity and for retired musicians like us and every other musician on the planet right now. True. Especially during um, this time. Especially but during this time. This list. This list. We're sidetracked. We're, we got to get back to the list because it's going to take some doing. N- let me tell you a little bit about how I approach this. Just my own. I didn't want to put these rules on you. I know you hate rules. I fucking and they're not hate, rules. Dude, they're not I'm rules. Punk, this, is just, this, is, this is how I thought of it. 
So I'm judging what I picked for debut. I'm shortening. I'm just going to call it debut songs from here on out, so we can shorten what it's called. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I'm judging on the career impact of the song. You know, like as a first song was did it launch a career? Kind of. You know. Oh wow! I missed that one. Okay. A uh, career definition, like how much the opening song, the debut song, defined that band's sound. Yes. This is just See, me. I'm not saying you don't have to do okay, that. This cool. is just what That's I was thinking That's more of about. what I base my list on. Like cultural influence as well, but not so much. Also on how much it changed my life. Like, cause I, you know, I obviously got to include, cause these are our favorites. Um, and also how fast the song got me attached to that artist, which is a okay, big one. Okay, cool. So you B, know? C, and D are what I basically judged uh, my, my criteria and on. All, and lastly, is it their best song? Oh, that's hard. Yeah. But that's I'm, not necessarily make or break. I'm just saying I put all of these into account when I was thinking about 12 to bring to the table. Right. Well, this is fun. Not only are we doing 12 as opposed to 10 and we're going back and forth, it's like we're in a relationship and we're trying to spice things up in the bedroom. Right. Yeah. We're trying something new. First mm-hmm. of all, before we get into our 12, and I, uh, I knew we were going to do this because we talked about it yesterday, because it's not on my 12, but I need to talk to you about it. We need to talk about it. Is Boston's more than a feeling? Track one, side first. One. <laughs> I mean, I looked, I found out about this yesterday, and I laughed out loud. I'm like, "There's no way, that's that band's first song." I feel like that's almost coming. That's coming out the gates way too hard. That should have been a track three or a it's track an five. In credit song, <laughs> you know, it's not like there's no mojo left. By the end of that song. Yeah. After you put on that record, was Boston's first record a self-titled? Oh, you know it. Of course <laughs> Or it, it might have been one. You know, they might It was have, just they called have... Massachusetts. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. When, when you hear more than a feeling, when the needle drops for that first time, where the fuck do you go from there? I mean, by the time you get... What I love about more than a feeling, which... I listened to yesterday. Everything. After, you love yeah, everything about more than a feeling. What other song can you remember that... It launches into the chorus and lets the chorus go two times full instrumental before the hook of the chorus vocally comes in. Oh, that's so good. You're that's right. That's so... We ride that wave for a little while before and then when the more than a feel, you're like, oh, hell yeah. You know? Also, the claps, like yeah. in... In the chorus intro where they make it, where, where they let it run a couple of times, the claps really move that along. I even believe that, I mean, it's been a while since I've listened to it, but I feel like they drop the claps once the vocals come in for the chorus. I'll have to really, but everything about it, the number of guitar solos in it is like, <laughs> staggering, hilarious. So that would fit, you know, into the category of all of like A through E, what you just described as far as like did it make the band's career did it did it personify where they were going as far as like their, no, I think, their artistic I think path i didn't include it because this song is more than anything i think it's a train wreck of an idea to start really? your career <laughs> to start oh to start your career that way because yeah. uh, what's your what's your second favorite boston song Personally. I don't have one. Exactly. I don't, I don't, this is the <laughs> only yeah. song. They I don't know another la- Boston song. It's almost like if Nirvana started with Smells Like Teen Spirit. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's just like there are every, that here's everything we can offer. 
it, it seems like when you're getting into a relationship and you start by telling the other person all of the good things about yourself, right. and then you have to slowly unveil all of the really terrible human flaws that you have. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's like the movie Up, you know, like everything happens in that first 10 minutes and you've, you've, you've laughed, you've cried. And then you're like, oh, there's still a whole movie to watch here. Where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah. But on that note, too, um, as far as like defining an, an artist's career with with the first song, um, a lot of these artists that I was mulling over for this list, some of their first songs were singles. Right. Or some of their first songs were on a collection that was released and or re-released. Um, so it got a little hairy in terms of... interesting trying to decipher the the first song from the very first hopefully if we go as we go through if you have any of those i can help you debunk them well there's been there was a couple like wu-tang clan put out a demo album before they released right, enter but, uh, the 36 chambers right but wu-tang's i think still specifically bring to ruckus would be bring to ruckus exactly would be, would be their opening song okay cool so also back to the very sensitive subject between you and i right now of new order you know okay. in in the aftermath of ian curtis's death from joy right. division and becoming Ooh, a, new order that's a messy timeline i don't it, have the right answer for that one it's a really messy timeline their first song they ever released was ceremony which was not in fact See, on the, uh, on the collection of songs oh, that's rough because that's my favorite new order song and i didn't it's know that. it's one of the best yeah it was so, the first song they released it didn't do shit for them which was do you crazy. know a version because there's multiple versions of ceremony but there's one uh, you know we're getting off track but there's one in particular i love and if that's there then that might that would have to be on my list i'm not entirely sure what version and there's been a lot like especially with new order there's a lot of versions of their songs um because it was that. it was a messy timeline after curtis's suicide and the and the disembodiment of joy division because of the tragedy i'm just going to say anything you've chosen in that field i'm going to allow it <laughs> okay, well I didn't put I didn't bring any new order this okay. time because I was really fucking upset that you said Orgy's cover of Blue Monday is better than the original. And it was going to remind you of it and you're going to just squawk and about I, it the whole yeah. time. And because of everything that's going on right now, I am on the edge of just crying. So right. So you don't need to be reminded that I ever said that. No, and I don't want to cry on the pod, man. I get that. I get that. So let's not do that. Okay, cool. Uh, um you want to start with my number 12? Of course. Okay, my number 12 is, and I feel like this starts this list off so nice. I'm loving this. Because, I, I, you know, starting this list, I have to start with a track one on a debut album. And I'm like, what's the best way to start this list? Like, it's track one. And I, I was like, it's got to be the Velvet Underground Sunday morning. Oh, fuck. Okay, we're going to, I think we're going to have We're going to run into a lot of that. Okay, huh? all right. We're going to have some overlapping here. Um, That's fine. Uh, it so actually weeds out some numbers. I can't believe that you chose that as number 12. Now, are you basing them on what they mean to you or like a lot? A, it's a, it's a combination of everything. You know, it's all, all those criteria I said, just like all jumbled up, but some, so, you know, it sticks out in certain, like my top three, I guess are going to be definitely personal faves and not okay. necessarily like so cultural this is, impact. This is how this is going to happen. Then if, since we, we, we both listed some honorable mentions, right? Yeah. So if we overlap on each other, we're just gonna, when we get to the the number that uh, that was already overlapped, we'll go ahead and throw an honorable mention in there to the okay, best cool. of our ability, let's just to keep it going. Cool. Um, let's talk about this for a second. 
Can you believe that the Velvet Underground and Nico was their first record? I can't. I listened to it today and I was I was telling Bunny that like by track five, every track on side A of that album feels like a different band's like next album. Like Absolutely. Like track two sounds like another band's sophomore album sound, and track three sounds like a, another band's third album. By track five, you are the sitar's out, you got like your magical mystery tour, you know, it's just it's wild. Right. It's a wild. Well, I think album. a lot of that was due to Warhol's influence on the band because right. although Lou Reed, you know, is a very talented musician and songwriter, uh, Warhol had a lot of creative control with that group exactly. because it was basically his idea. And what an odd, he, dangerous thing. What a very dangerous thing. But you know, p- picture being in New York at that time, being Lou Reed, and you know having. One of the globe's most influential artists say, "Hey, I like you. Let's do a record together." And you're not supposed to say no to that. You know, right. the first thing Absolutely. you say is yes. But on that note, I mean, the Velvet Underground at Nico is fucking incredible. It's considered one of the most important and influential records of all time. But it was Warhol's idea. To after forming Warhol formed the Velvet Underground, and then he met Nico and was basically like, "Oh, Nico's gonna be in it too, guys." <laughs> and Nico was tone deaf. I mean, she was categorically tone deaf. Um, so I think the band had some hesitations, but th- he kind of lumped it all together and made this, you know, contemporary art form of music that involved a lot of different genres more for effect than for songwriting at large right you know it's it's definitely an art piece you know it's it's a super art piece and in 1967 you know was a strange you know a strange and beautiful time i'm sure Uh especially in new york i'm sure it was fucking wild oh man i can't even imagine starting that out with sunday morning i mean the first thing you hear also that record didn't sell shit mind you wow like that it was it was panned as a try-hard, bloated piece uh, to be added to Warhol's catalog, and then slowly over the years became again one of the most you know influential records of all time. I'm, I think Rolling Stone has put it in their top fifty albums of all time. 50 oh, it's in, times it's over. in all those lists. Yeah, of course. It's yeah, an incredible album. Well, good start. I see. Yeah. That was at my number three slot because Ooh, it means yeah, nice. because it means that much to me. Uh, um, it took a deep pluck. That was nice. Yeah, that feels thanks. good. Yeah, you went straight for the jugular on that one. All right, what do you um, got for twelve? Uh, what I have for twelve, and you, dude, you know me in these lists. I usually try to go off kilter with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided not to do that this time because I'm not feeling too funny or crazy or quacky right now. Yeah, you can um, only be so kooky with this list too. You know, yeah, it's pretty, I want to. I want to talk musical. about the things that have that have changed my life from track one side one and my 12 and i don't know if you listened to this album it was 1998 i didn't hear it till much later <clears throat> but uh, uh most deaf and talib kwali doing black star oh wow together. cool isn't That's black awesome. star it, so 
I'm so not. The, I, I know the project, but I don't know that album that well. You really need to listen to it. It was their first and only record, right? Um, it in this iteration, and it was just called Mostef and Talib Kweli are Black Star. Oh wow! But the first great. song on it, track one, side one, after the intro, uh, which we have to account for, um, is called Astronomy Eighth Light, and it's basically I'm going to say thesis a lot in this list. I think, but. It was their thesis of what Black Star meant to them and why they decided to do this okay. record together. And um, it's, it, I, I think I heard this maybe for the first time when I was 15 or 16, <clears throat> and it changed, it really changed my trajectory in life in general. Um, Hip hop has always been a really important thing to me, not only as a bass player and a poet, but you know I'm from Tennessee. So as a direct rebellion, to bigotry and racism. Right. I've I found myself listening to a lot of hip hop in my earlier years. Right. Um, also like listening to hip hop, you know, from a state of white privilege helps you empathize or get closer to the knowledge of suffrage, uh, to where you can be a little bit more sensitive Absolutely. Uh, to, to everything that's going on. So that this record changed my life. There's another hip hop artist on my list. Uh, that I'll get to in a bit, but please listen to this record if you haven't. I mean, it it's, yeah. it, it impacted me so much that... I, mean, uh, I love I'm, Most Def, but I just, I'm not as familiar with... You're this, going this to love this record. I mean, even to the point... I was rehabbed for heroin use when I was 17, mm-hmm. and I was in rehab for a year, and it was in a... It, it, you graduated levels of rehab to where if you reach certain levels, you get like different things that you can kind of return back to of, of a normal life. And when you hit level three, you got to pick five CDs right. that you could listen to for the rest of your time in rehab. And well, those Black's, are going to be memorable. Those oh, are definitely yeah. going to be. Do you remember I spent all five? a lot of time. Oh yeah. And black star was one of them. Uh, broken social scenes. You forgot it in people. Wow. Um, smashing pumpkins, melancholy because it was a double record. Big guy. There's a, there's 28 songs. that will kill a couple hours. Exactly. Um, Airs Moon Safari. Nice, nice long debut. Uh, what What's the fifth? Uh, Nick Drake's Pink Moon. Oh wow, that's that'll get you through some times. Oh yeah, those five. I had a little bit of everything. I had some acoustic. Right. I had some indie. I had some rap. I had some rock. You know, it was it was a really healthy five records to have. But listen to Black Star if you haven't, especially if you're a hip hop fan. There are some tunes on there that will legitimately change your fucking life. All right, we're starting off strong. I like it. Yeah, this is good. What's your 11 seed? Dude, if you have this as well on your list, then I then 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 we are just forever buddies and it's just meant to be. I don't think you do, but uh, Okay, a, here we go. Operation Ivy Knowledge. No, I don't, but that is one hell of a pick, my friend. Oh, love it, right? God, you got I gotta. mean, Energy and Hectic is incredible. Yeah, I mean, Knowledge is one of those punk songs that and this is again like my own my own influence and just like how it hit me the first time I heard it. I was just like, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> you know, because you're you're looking for that band when like for me when I was in when I was in high school that is like the punk band that defines what you're looking for. Absolutely, and, and that you can kind of cater your own idea of punk around. And as I, well. I was liking Rancid, you know, and I liked No Effects, and I liked all that you know Fat Wreck Epitaph stuff because I was young. But then, you know, somebody's like, you know, Rancid comes from Operation Ivy. They had a different singer. Of course. And I remember putting on Operation Ivy and Knowledge just being that, what is it, a minute 30? 
It's. I mean, there. I don't think there's a song over two minutes on that record. I, all and like all twenty-seven songs on their full, like just everyone falling in love with every single one of those songs, and it's shaping a lot of how I became a musician. But I mean, I was never as much into the ska element. But their ska, they did ska without it being ever cheesy. You know? They did ska aggressively, yeah. like in in a punk fashion, which which kind of seamlessly melded the two things in a way where you didn't feel ashamed by listening to the ska. Yeah. You know, it was a different wave of ska that that they were focusing on. It was on. a different wave of punk too. That's why Knowledge is on the list for me because the way that song comes in like barn burner just breaking down the doors. So good. So good. All I know is that I don't know. And also the all I know is that I don't know nothing. Yeah, all I know is that I don't know nothing, and that's fine. Is probably still my punk rock mantra. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear that in in the songs that I've heard you compose, right. and that again, dude, is one hell of a pick. What do you got for eleven? Um, I and this is probably where I'm going to cry when I said I didn't want to, but I have to put it on here because he just passed, um, and he's he was a casualty of of the COVID. Um, and he is my number one favorite artist of all time. He has influenced me beyond um, any type of discern- discernible recognition, and that's John Prine. Uh, his 1971 self-titled record uh, starts off with a song called Illegal Smile, uh-huh. um, which is a country song about smoking weed. Um, wow. And, it, and in 1971, that meant that's a lot. pretty ahead of its time there. It's well ahead of its time, and it's so poetic. Um, and you know the chorus line I, is, I, you can I was s- never familiar so I, I like now I, I know where to start right at the beginning I know you're not the biggest country fan in the world and that's okay but like this record transcends country it's and yeah. John Prine always did transcend country which is why he has built a cult following or did build a, build a cult following over his active years um, not a country fan I had Jake Owens barefoot blue jean night on my guilty pleasures on list. your guilty pleasures list I that's not country when <laughs> saddled up next to something like John Prine's right. self-titled no I'm though. sorry for even bringing it up that's no 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 it's it, no it's it's actually an important thing to illuminate because a lot of people think that is country right a lot of people and think that's that not the barefoot blue jean night is country and it's it's and it might be what what uh what current country is but it's not country western right and and this song by john prine and this record by john prine um really shaped the way that country music was going to be written especially over the next five to ten years before the 80s got really weird so if you're if you're not a country fan or you don't think you're a country fan take a second to listen to john prine's self-titled from the onset of illegal smile the song i'm talking about you will become a, a convert to country music guaranteed wow i didn't cry i thought i was gonna cry i did we cry got through a that. lot I, I cried a lot when he died so that maybe was a I, rough one because i've shed i've shed all my tears on that you one. know it's been rough with all a lot of older musicians <laughs> passing but when they have the the actual virus it's it feels even nastier you know it just feels like we've been cheated because exactly Dude, John Bryan has cheated death. He cheated death two or three times, um, very famously. I read about yeah. I mean, he had just gotten a major operation last year. Which had changed the fabric of his voice to where it was almost unrecognizable. But you know what that motherfucker did? He said, I don't give a shit. I'm going to keep writing and keep playing because I still have a lot to say. I d- it doesn't matter that I don't sound like my old self. Right. I'm not fucking laying down. And it's a beautiful that's thing. What, I mean, follow all the way to the end. 
but with, with the virus getting him in the end is it just feels like we were cheated totally. on someone who probably had another couple of really good records in him okay so i didn't cry congratulations i almost Al. crying at this point but um uh, all right into the top 10 you ready into let's, the top 10 keep cruising um <laughs> this flips everything I'm just going to say it. The Postal Service, the district sleeps alone wow. tonight. <laughs> Didn't think you would ever admit that Give Up is one of the greatest records of all well, time. Well, here's the thing, and um, this makes me a poser, sure, but this is exactly no, the, it doesn't. the age I was. This is how I heard of Ben Gippard. What? Yeah. this is Okay, that does make you a fucking right. poser. Yeah, that's I, what I, I'm I always told, mind. but I heard Give Up first before I heard Death Cab for Cutie. And then, you know, I got into all Death Cab at that point up to Transatlanticism where that... Where, where they things started to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I got into all the early stuff after that, but I hadn't heard of it, so somebody had give up and, you know, again, just impact me. I didn't get past this song for a long time, you know? The, the song is such a strong way to start the record. Though. And I remember even after I got past it and got to such great heights, I, could, I didn't get past those first two for a long time. Like a one-two whammy of music that, you know, I wasn't really, I was into indie rock, Northwest, you know, Built to Spill, Modest Mouse. And this guy had the voice of that, but I had never really gotten into electronic music yet. So this was just a whole doorway. Well, he's also a PNW. Ben yeah, Gibbard is from is. Seattle. So that's so. why it was like recommended because in Seattle, you know, Northwest, we're all getting passed around that same music. But this was different because I hadn't really heard electronic music like this. Of course, what I'm talking about is Jimmy Tamborello. From who's incredible dental is fucking dental is, the the, pro, the production on that record is flawless like yeah. i i don't think there's a single wrong thing with that record i i can't think it's of unbelievable one thing like that i would change about give up there's nothing offensive about the tones and there's so much going on electronic there's so much going on um the reason you had never heard electronic music like that before is because I'm pretty sure that that record itself was rather trailblazing. Right. But for still the electronic category. It being the first time I heard Ben Gippard and the first gateway into electronic music does indeed make me a poser. Smeared black ink. <laughs> but your palms I was are too busy listening to punk rock, so you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> punk you get three punk points for saying go fuck yourself uh, in such a fashion no but i mean it is an incredible song the the beat switch up in the middle of it you know it's just in entrancing the lyrics are beautiful one of the best choruses and the wait for the chorus is so climactic it's, and it's worth it yeah cinematic it's a fucking incredible way to start your it's only an incredible album. way to start the only album, but also that really paved the way for a lot of other artists to do what they were doing. Are you at kidding? The time. That paved the way for all of like indie dance, electronic indie, indie electro, all that shit. I feel like know? some people might think we're posers for still listening to that record. People do. But, <laughs> but you know what, dude? Fuck that. I don't care that I'm in my early to mid 30s and I still listen to Give Up once a month. It's untouchable. Yeah, Dude. I mean, it's got some of the, it's got some of his best lyrics above all of Death Cab stuff. I'm sorry, but absolutely no. Guaranteed. There's some great Death Cab lyrics, but Give Up has some of his all time best. It's got some of his corniest too. Don't get me wrong. Well, I think the corniness of tracks like Clark Gable, right? That's the know, one I'm like, thinking of. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of too, and I think that's the one that a lot of people would go to first because that is the core, like one of the corniest tracks on the record. Yeah, maybe the arguably the corniest. I always but think even, in that song when he says, "I was uh, waiting for." Uh, a crosstown train, train in the London, London underground. underground when it struck yeah. me i just imagined the train hitting him 
<laughs> of course, he's talking when about I the died. thought, the thought striking him. But I'm like, oh shit, that train hit him. Oh shit, he's dead. Maybe the song's about dying. This is deep, bro. Um, no, I'm I'm glad you had the brass balls to bring that to the table because it was on my list and I kept shoving it aside and then it kept showing back up and I'm like, it belongs on there, it belongs on the list. It does belong on there, and I I thought about that but decided not to do that because because I've been so ashamed or and or shamed actively shamed by other people for listening to that record. It actually almost showed up on last episode's guilty pleasures list. Oh, that's so sad. It is sad. That's but not fair. What are you supposed to do? Like, like it, it, it's one of those records, obviously the time and place that it came out, we were both much younger, uh, much more impressionable and maybe even more open to new things. So it was life changing in that category. But the fact that it has stayed with us because of the sheer craftsmanship involved in that record should say something and you shouldn't feel guilty about listening to something like that. Yeah. But some fucking asshole always has something to say about that record. I know. But I but, think we just had a good defense of it. So Yeah, and you know what? I'm glad that you, you and I, for the next Halloween that we celebrate, right. you, and I, you and I should go out as Postal Service fans. I love it. I like that too. We don't give up on give up. We don't. That's, oh my God, that's it. That's the tagline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you got for 10? Well, 10 is something that you're expecting. Okay, um, maybe it's on so, one. So, no, it's definitely not. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. I thought we were doing a top 10, so I was going to start my list with this one just to get it out of the way. But when you threw the top 12 at me right before we started this today, yeah. um, it, it, it took a back seat. But, of course, number 10, 2004, The Killers, Jenny Was a Friend of Mine. Oh, I listened to it of- just because I knew we had to talk about it. Because it's an incredible way to start your first record. Sure. Yeah. Say what you want. Think what you will about the killers. They have made at least five or six unlistenable records at this point. But <laughs> I have, Hot Fuss I have was a lot incredible. of respect for a debut song that isn't a single, but it's upbeat and it's memorable and it's going to bring you like like it's going to corral you right to the single. In no time. You know what I'm saying? In no time. You know, and I love a, that. And that does it was that a good well. Mi- it was a good mission statement. It combined everything that was on Hot Fuss, such as like Brandon Flowers' soaring vocal lines, the great Andy Rourke-esque 80s bass lines, mm-hmm. a lot of really good synth work, incredible drumming. Um, it really... And 2004 was a, was a funny time for music because the bar had been raised so heavily by... Um, Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights. The Strokes. The Strokes yeah, is yeah, the yeah, set. Yeah. It, it, yeah, 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 as Fever to Tell. Exactly. So to be an indie band, especially out of Las Vegas, which has absolutely no musical exports. Lamest other than place to be from in America. Fucking as as awful place. Well, yeah, because you have like Wayne Newton. You and know Imagine I mean? Dragons. And imagine, well, Dragons came much later, obviously. I feel but, like they've been here forever. But I feel like Jenny was a friend of mine, was one hell of a way to start the record. And listening to that record, um, as cheesy as the record is in retrospection, I feel like it was a gangbusters way to come out the door. Definitely. I'll give you that. It's a great Thanks, song. Thanks, dude. Um, I'm my number nine, and this is maybe on your list. I don't know. It's uh, The Clash, Janie Jones. Shit! You know what's crazy? What? 
That is also my number nine. No. Yep. No fucking way. That's great. That's, That's synchronicity insane. right there. That, that is, I mean, we are on our semicolon together. Wow. I feel like we've talked about this. We're going through the same phases of the moon. Right, yeah. Wow, that's um, incredible. That uh, is incredible. And that's exactly and, where it belongs on this list, too, because it's not It's not. It's not going to blow your mind, but my God, what a good way to, like, mission statement a punk rock band. I mean, it'll blow your mind if you have never listened to punk music Absolutely. Before. When those drums come in and you just hear the, like, that, like, staccato, oh, yeah. the staccato that, guitar... Um, you know, with the and then and the first time you hear Dro Strummer's voice, yeah, you know, like oh, yeah. it's yeah, the Clash self-titled was a lot of people's introduction to punk music, yeah, because when Hot Topic culture came around, all the fucking posers started buying studded belts. You and know what's bracelets. crazy? I listened to the Clash self-titled when I was a high schooler and very into punk, and I was obsessed with it. And then I listened to anything after that album in the last ten years. I didn't I didn't touch anything past self-titled forever. Well, after self-titled, you know, uh, uh, you kind of gravitate towards the the more influential records by the Clash. Like I remember I I was the same way. The first Clash record I heard was self-titled. Yeah, and I'm like everything else is like they they go like poser style. Like back in that, those days I just like they sell out, you know. <laughs> yeah, when you hear when you hear self-titled and tracks like I'm so bored of the USA and remote control and white riot and career opportunity. Ooh, career opportunities. Tunis is fucking incredible, but you, you hear, you, let's say you hear title track London Calling after that. It doesn't sound like the clash that you've become familiar with right. over listening to self-titled. But it's so and, good. I, I mean, I was just... Well, we were both just stupid yeah. at that time. <laughs> but yeah, self-titled, both, Janie Jones is a hell of a fucking way to come out. It is one hell of a way to come out, and I'm so glad that we were both on nine with that. What wow. is happening? Killing Are we it. becoming the same person? I mean, I'm hitting on your wife. Yeah, we're we're, we're hitting these these numbers at the I mean, same. We could no, just do a I whole poly like... thing, bring you into this whole mix. <laughs> Maybe we just have her as a guest <laughs> on one of these episodes. Um, no, now that per the ruling before we started this, uh, now I have to put in one of my honorable mentions to the number nine. Okay, lovely. Yes. Category. Um, so I'm going to look at my honorable mentions list and choose something very quickly. Um, okay, this is one that I love, which is kind of odd. I don't think a lot of people know of this band. Um, a lot of people know of this song because it was you know, inarguably their biggest song. Are you a girls fan? Big time. Okay, I'm also a big time girls fan too. I did not and think about this. Lust for life, tr- huh? Lust for Life, baby. That's a fantastic song. Oh, I wish song. I had a boyfriend. Yeah, it's incredible. I love that I mean, song and, so much. And, and I didn't at first. Biggest, it was their biggest song. Yeah, uh, it was like that song grew on me. I feel like there was something about girls when they initially came out. I was like, I don't know about this. And then that yeah. song kept like kept getting hit over the head of that song. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this song's incredible. It's really good. And I think a lot of it has to do with Christopher Owens's kind of snarl, yeah. bratty, um, it's, maybe yeah, androgynous. His, his androgynous super, delivery, the lyrics, and well, yeah, the, it's the bass line. The opening line is the bass line I, in that song is insanity. Jr. the bass player uh, of the girls. When he, is, he doesn't even come in till halfway through the song, but he just adds this a whole nother dynamic to that song. It's also worth the wait to wait for that bass Big line. Time. And we're talking about girls's first album, just called album, and that was 2009, yeah. which is insane. Because they never reach that level of success ever again. They only put uh, maybe, out three maybe records. To, in maybe their success. Career. They definitely reached that level of success, but they didn't reach 
I don't think anything after that was as good as album. I'd, I don't know. I thought their third installment, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, was their best record. I thought it was overstuffed. Really? Yeah. Someone, at, at one time, a friend of mine said that was San Francisco's modern-day dark side of the moon. <laughs> And, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, that's I, well. As a Pink Floyd fan, of course you think. Well, that's they're funny. just saying that because of that one song that really sounded like a Pink Floyd song that had a lot vomit. of uh, backing tracks, yeah, a the, lot of backing vocals. Yes. Vomit. Yeah, right. They, a lot of choral backing, uh, backing vocals. But that's and absurd. That it is absurd, but it made sense to me only because, as you just said, it is kind of bloated and overstuffed with all these ideas. Well, that was a really good number nine substitution then. Let's yeah. move right along to your number eight. Uh, the Stone Roses, I Want to Be Adored. Really great pick, dude. Yeah. Uh, um, also, my favorite song by them, and one of the only songs too. by them I know. Really? Yeah, I'm not a huge Stone Roses guy, but I can't believe this is their first song because it's so confident, like self-assured, patient, and just totally its own sound fully formed sound the stone roses thing is a weird argument because a lot of people are you're i think they're polarizing in the sense that you're either a massive stone roses fan or you have no fucking idea who they are right and unfortunately i think that they were a casualty of the brit pop thing you know I, I was reading that a lot of people think stone roses are actually responsible for like baggy jeans and like the baggy look of the 90s like they were really? kind of the first baggy brit pop that were like you know had baggy clothes <sighs> Well, a lot of bands were overshadowed in the Britpop race, obviously by Blur and Oasis, specifically right. Oasis. But, you know, bands like Stone Roses or Pulp, who I'm not a huge fan of, um, they, they, uh, they really didn't get a lot of deserved credit for being on the forefront uh, of the, the Britpop the, invasion. I believe the year you played Coachella, um, the Stone Roses headline, correct? They did, and it was incredible. And I remember that year, so many people were like, who the fuck are the Stone Roses? They, they had no when idea. The when the lineup came out, people didn't know the headliner. Well, that was, you know, that was also one of the last rock years, too, that was, you it know, was almost dedicated. Like, yeah, it was almost like four rock fans. You're like, here you go. It's not right. going to be like this anymore. This is the <laughs> last time that you will be able to enjoy rock music at this festival. Yeah. yeah. If it, unless it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> who get, um, who which, get to headline every Saturday night, every three right, years exactly. for eternity. <laughs> That's a good pick. I'm glad you picked that. And actually, I didn't know that was track one, side one. Yeah, that's a good one. What do you got? Uh, my number eight is, and and from the moment that this was actually the first record I heard by this person, uh, by this incredible, timeless female artist, um, and it was her debut, no. and the record is simply titled Debut, and that was 1993, and it was Bjork, oh. and the song was Human Behavior. Okay, um, cool. I don't know. You're probably, I was very sure for a second you had my number seven. It was going to blow my mind, but no. I don't think I wouldn't peg you as a Bjork fan, right? I like Bjork, but I'm not huge. I mean, I've seen her live uh, twice, actually. Both and she's incredible, right? Unbelievable. And I love a lot of Bjork songs, but I don't know her, dis her discography well. Well, on debut her debut in 93 human behavior was a one hell of a way to start because it's got this like lo-fi hip-hop beat that that starts off this record which would categorize a lot of bjork's next releases before she started getting much more experimental right but debut reads kind of like a greatest hits it's got big time sensuality. it's got venus as a boy mm -hmm. uh, it has a lot of songs 
that for Bjork fans have become, you know, part of the larger uh, message or mosaic of her overall catalog. And human behavior was definitely no different and, and really was a great way to start this. It wasn't her first record ever uh, because she was obviously in the sugar cubes right. before that. And she was also Love sugar cubes. So do I. And she was in a punk band before the sugar cubes. Oh, really? Um, and it, it's an Icelandic name, but it translates to, and pardon me for saying this, uh, I, I, I don't like this particular word that I'm about to say because I feel like it's incredibly derogatory and slanderous. Um, but the punk band that she was in, the Icelandic name translates into English, fuck your mother's cunt. Wow. So Bjork has Fair had- Bjork. <laughs> yeah. Bjork has had an incredible career. Yeah. Uh, like all scattered across the board. So the fact that she came out- um, as a solo artist with human behavior was really important to me. And that hooked me. It instantly hooked me. The first time I heard human behavior, I knew I was going to be a fan for life. Yeah. That's, that's a big part of this list too, is if you, you hear a song and you're like, I'm a fan of this artist, no matter what they do. <laughs> I think that's the biggest part of this list for yeah, me. Like that time. was the one thing that I oh, was I'm, I'm bouncing on. around. Like, okay, for my number seven, this song says that so much about me, but it's more the cultural influence one. And also just an amazing song. And that's Madonna, Lucky Star. Wow. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was on her first record? Yeah. Self-titled, first album, Madonna, Lucky Star is track one for Borderline. What, what year was that? Was that? 83. It's aging very well. Yeah, I mean, that album had Lucky Star, Borderline, Holiday. I mean, it was... And, and this was back when she was... I think her voice was actually still pitched up a bit. It was, yeah. It felt because that way. The, the, yeah, they, they. I, I think the producers like that or something. I don't know the whole story, but she sounds kind of alien, you know. She definitely sounds alien, or she sounds prepubescent in like that, a really strange too. way. Yeah, which makes the, the the content of this album even stranger, given the time period. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's like a sexy feeling, but it feels wrong. That's it like does feel wrong. Her whole it, beginning persona, you know. It feels, yeah, it, it feels a little illegal right. to be in love with this pop diva. Right. And you know? you're like, why, why am I her lucky star? That doesn't seem right, but I want to <laughs> be. Cam, you know? you're everyone's lucky star. Uh, but it's a beautiful, it's a great song. I love the way it starts just like, and it just flares up this superstar's career. And I kind of wanted to give that slot to that kind of like female empowered uh, pop persona and i almost gave it to beyonce's crazy in love wait was that the was that track one side one off of her debut solo <laughs> yes. record yes no it was. way no which is wasn't. insanity i'm gonna have to do some research on that because i almost don't even believe it that's insane right that's such a again like a fully realized that that's such a big part of this list i to wonder me, is like how realized that the project was when right out of the gates what was track one side one on Destiny's Child writing on the walls? Not as memorable. I checked it. It wasn't a song that I remember. It wasn't like one of the big ones. Well, that's that record fucking still rips. Yeah, totally. I remember buying that record at a Circuit City when oh. it came out. When I, what was I? I don't know. Ten or eleven years yeah. old. I was so embarrassed to take Destiny's Child writing on the walls to the clerk um, because it felt like one of those poser moments. But yeah. I'm sorry, dude. There's nothing like, there's, you can there's do. Bangers on this. I need it. So many bangers on that record. I can't believe Crazy in Love was her track one side one. On yeah, it's one of my honorable record. mentions, but it's incredible. I mean, me and me and 
me and Bunny watched Homecoming the other or a couple weeks back, sometime. It might have been a week ago. It might have been s- several years ago. It could have, yeah, it could have been two decades ago, right? Yeah. But it's still just unbelievable. God, like, track one, side one, dude. This yeah. is a good list. I'm glad. Is, I'm glad we're doing this. I'm no learning embarrassment, no shame, list. no shame. Yeah, no. What do, yeah. What do you got after, for seven? What do you got for seven? After last episode, there's no more shameful episodes here <laughs> on the Go Parade. Uh, my seven is my second hip hop artist on this list. Okay, um, and this has been categorized as one of the most important hip hop records of all time, and I can't help but agree with it. This band or this group has also been dubbed the Beatles of hip-hop, which I can't also agree with more. Um, And that's De La Soul's first record, Uh, Three Feet High and Rising. I figured you might have this. Yes, and that was 1989 and track one, side one. After the intro, because we're yeah we're it, we're we're kind of curbing intros here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was the magic number? Wow, and cool. that was also a single off of that record. After me, myself, and I, that was the second single released, mm-hmm. and it really like it, the the record is so strange. I mean, it, when when's the last time you listened to Three Feet High and Rising? Uh, well, you can't listen to it on streaming, so it's been a long time. Yeah, I had to actually dig into it on YouTube last right. night. Um, wow, I say YouTube like a grandfather. YouTube. Uh, YouTube. You spell it with a U? <laughs> um, but De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising really paved the way for so for a brand new dialect of socially conscious hip-hop. And also, like it, 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 it ushered in this playfulness in hip-hop, too, um, which which kind of allowed the likes of like diggable planets and right. tribe called quest totally. and like dude, three feet high and rising was such a, an important record. And the first time I, that was the first day law record that I heard. And the second that breakbeat kick, kicks in on the magic number, I was sold. I was instantly sold. So nice. yeah, love that's, it. That's, first love it. First breakbeat. Love it. First breakbeat, especially in hip hop. It's, it, it it's really played a huge factor in my in my musical formation. Um, all right, what's your number six, Daddy? Let's move on. Modest Mouse Drama Mean. Nice. Yep. Boo doo oh doo 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 doo. As a bass player, and you and I were even talking about Eric Judy, the bass player for Modest Mouse for years. He's no longer in the group, sad to say, but. No Eric one's in Judy, the group. The group doesn't exist to me. That's true. It's just Isaac Brock's black eye yeah. that plays live now. Um, what, dude? That is a stellar pick. I mean, not only because Modest Mouse is one of my favorite bands, as it is yours. Um, I can't believe I didn't think about that. That was off of "This Is a Long Drive," right? Yep. Yep. Si- all six minutes in its glory. Wow, what a what a way to start off your career. What, a six minute song on a fifteen track album? <laughs> on a fifteen track album, yeah. Was yeah. that was this is a long drive? Uh was that put out by K Records? Um, I don't know. It might have been up still. They might still have been on up records, but I I am not sure. The timeline's messy for early Modest Mouse too. It is because they were shopping around quite a bit and they were writing so much at that time. They were releasing little things here and there with different labels. Dude, Dramamine is still one of their best songs, too. Absolutely. I mean... It, it is a career-defining song. What's interesting to it about, about it to me is that so much of Modest Mouse became based on Isaac Brock's lyrics and his vocal delivery. And Absolutely. there's so little of it in Dramamine. Dramamine is all about um, introducing the band. 
It is. And all about like introducing what Brock is going to continue to do with his guitar playing, which are those harmonic vibrato bends. You get it. So because Isaac just noodles all over the place, does his bends, does his little melody solos. But Jeremiah Green and Eric Judy hold down that dope bass line and that sick beat for six minutes. I love the rhythm section of Modest Mouse more than I love a lot of things on this planet, especially the Judy Green combo. Like oh, there's I, nothing like it. There's re- there's truly nothing like it. I don't know if you're listening, and the only thing you've heard by Modest Mouse is "Float On" and and anything thereafter. Please, for the love of God! Oh come on, what are you doing with your life? You're a disgrace. Go, go back and listen to those first couple of records. Um, yeah, you have to. Even just for the rhythm section, it's dude. It's it's math. Mm. It's fucking math. What they do. Uh, I'd say actually, Modest Mouse has one of the, the the most intense streaks of track ones in their discography. Because you're talking drama. Mean teeth like God shine is incredible. And Third Planet as Third Planet is also one album. Hell of a one song. two three. It's it's just wild. And then with good news, it's World at Large after an intro. So right, those are all huge songs in their and then I, I don't really know what happened after that. I stopped listening. We were dead before the ship even sank. Was uh, yeah, I, I listened can't. to that album, but it's it's I liked it at the time. It hasn't aged well like the classics. No, the only time I or the only reason I actually listened to that album was because Johnny Marr from the Smiths played guitar yeah. on it. And did he? He was mixed so low. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> I, I couldn't I think hear that anything was, he was doing. That felt like more of a media stunt, absolutely, or like a a press. Although I did see him live anything. on that tour, and he was playing in the band, and that was pretty damn fucking cool. Was that cool? Because I didn't see him on that tour. That and was I really cool. Because he, to. you know, he was playing old Modest Mouse songs too. So that was pretty. Oh rich. man, I really. Wish I mean, I could they go played back tr- they played that. Trailer Trash that night, and like the end with all of them playing. That was I'll remember oh, that forever. Dude, stop. Yeah. Fucking breaking my heart uh, right now. But yes, we've gushed about Modest Mouse. Drama mean unbelievable opener. What you got for six? Um, my number six. I'm sure you thought about. I'm sure a lot of people have thought about this being one hell of a way to start your career, but that is Interpol's Untitled nice. off of Turn on the Bright Lights in 2002. This is definitely on my honorable mentions, of course. Okay, good. Because the second you hear, not even the riff, the guitar tone. The, it's iconic. Unbelievably it is, iconic. It's incredibly iconic, and you have absolutely no idea where the song's going to go. It's similar to Light. You recognize it. You know, you turn on a light and you're like, oh, it's it's bright oh, in here now. Right. The second you hear those opening, like, harmonic notes of Untitled, you know exactly what you know what always gives me chills? To. What? The way the drums come in. Carlos D, the way he comes in, his first bass, everything about that song yeah. is incredible. And you know what's wild is I am, I am also an insane Joy Division fan. When Interpol came out with Turn on the Bright Lights, obviously it was lauded as like one of the greatest records that had come out in the past 10 years. But the haters started comparing them so fervently to Joy Division. Right. And I, like even being a, a, a fan of both bands, or rather the first two Interpol records, um, I don't hear, I mean, I hear Paul Banks's delivery being somewhat akin to Ian Curtis, but there's not a lot of of similarities between the groups. Uh, yeah, Interpol's a lot more um, like uh, glum in a certain way. Yes. And, it, like, and they're and, more melodic. And like, yeah, they're not as dancey and and they're not as doom. 
No, not it's, not as doom at all. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't really see it besides you know a couple baritones singing over glum music. Yeah, like maybe some non sequitur lyrics. Or you're yeah. right, like the the monotonic vocal. Delivery. The only reason that Untitled wasn't on my debut songs is because in that canon on that album, if we had a best track twos, Obstacle One would be Obstacle One in my I top mean, three probably. I think I think Obstacle One might be Interpol's best song it overall. Is. Um, uh, yeah. It is far and wide their best song in my opinion but yeah. it's just you know what i think we've even talked about obstacle too we did we, we've talked about we talked about it on best bridge and best bridges because <laughs> that's that, right that bridge is unbelievable and we've said uh, during that segment in a previous episode that obstacle one by interpol has everything that interpol would ever do in their entire it's kind of like more than a and- feeling as a track too <laughs> <laughs> well said i'm glad that came full circle that's a great one um uh, now we're in the top five top five dude. my five and this is not not one of my favorites per se just again this is a cult this is my highest rated cultural impact one just and also for fully formed band they knew exactly what they were doing coming out and i don't know if they've made a better song since nine inch nails head like a hole head like a hole is incredible pretty hate machine is still one of my favorite records of all time um what a way to kick off a record yeah. <laughs> i mean what a way to kick off your career well yeah i mean just hearing the like the opening drum samples coming in yeah. right before the full band comes in is really like wow trent reznor i mean and people his were using the term industrial before then correct but this was like this, i like, believe so this, this was the this modernization like the song that, that mainstream that term yes this was the yeah, modernization I mean, thro- 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 of throbbing gristle and stuff was earlier but of course like and a lot of stuff that was coming out of germany and europe right, totally. was was like way pre and i don't pretend to know anything about industrial music I, I well the thing about pretty hate machine is that it allowed metalheads and punks and a lot of like a, a, it allowed a lot of different sects of 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 musical humanity to kind of come together right. and bond over this raunchy, insidious, dark, danceable th- record that that actually you know it changed the face of rock music for a really long time. Um, especially when you see the video for Head Like a Hole. Oh man! When they all have dreads and they're all fucking like they they all look like they're Mad Maxing it. Yeah, you totally. know, it's like these people are scary. I mean, because I was so they're young. scary. I'm like, yeah, this is way too scary. I'm not. <laughs> I can't listen to this. I'm scared out of my mind. Oh, to think about young Cam and young Al being scared yeah. by and now I hear nails. something and I'm like, this isn't scary. Why would I listen to this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> How things change, but yeah, Dude, that's huge. That's cultural actually number. that's a really good way to usher in the top five. I'm surprised I didn't even think about that mm. because in my car that has a, I have a 2008 or whatever Toyota Forerunner, like the most common car you see on the fucking road, and it's got a six disc changer in it, and one CD that's always been in my car from the second that I bought it is Nine Inch Nails' Head Like a Hole. That's such a specific that story. I'm sure that's so similar that story to everyone that has that type of car from your age group absolutely that cds yeah. and it's either that or presidents united states of america it's i <laughs> might even have self-titled presidents in my car somewhere <laughs> but in a cd sleeve um in one of my cd logic sleeves maybe my even maybe count. even 16 stone made its way in there somewhere oh you know it did you know it did all right what do you got um, for number five my number five Actually, like, and I, I obviously consider this a punk record. Um, a lot of some people do, some people don't. Um, but it's one of my favorite punk records. 
of all time, and that's the Stooges' self-titled debut. 1969. Uh, 1960, because 1969, You know what? I went through this one, and it was on my list, and I didn't put it on there because I didn't think it was a good representation of who this band was. Really? Well, hold on. Let's focus on the Stooges for a second. Because no, they I, only they do that album goes everywhere. So I shouldn't really say that. It does go everywhere. It but has I a will lot say of I was surprised the first time I learned that song was by the Stooges. Really? Yeah, I feel Who like I heard th- I heard it out of context when I first was getting into that kind of music and I thought I'm like, it can't be the Stooges that because I knew like I want to be your dog and I knew Did you think it was like a Rolling Stones kind of thing? Yeah, or? definitely. It felt like I mean it feels more like that vibe than anything else that they really have done. It, de- But the Stooges were a weird group, especially over those first three records, because the first two records were Stooges, and then it got into Iggy and the Stooges' right. Raw Power. I was almost even going to talk about Raw Power, because that, 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 that kind of signaled a sea change uh, with the group when they added Iggy to the Stooges, as uh-huh. far as the name is concerned, right. uh, which might even warrant its own debut album. Interesting. Like in a very weird way. Um, but I thought I thought 69, 1969 was was a great representation because not saying I don't like that song. I fucking love of course. that song. Yeah, you can't not like that song. Yeah, uh, if if you if you don't like that song, you just have no swag. Yeah, I love that, that's, starting a DJ set with that song. It's perfect. Yeah, and it is. It's like swag incarnate. Right. Dude. Totally. Hundred percent. Um, even the way it was mixed was just really incredible for the time. Yeah, it's wild. But that that was the first Stooges song I ever heard. Okay, well, um, that's interesting because that, that makes you look at it in a totally different canon. Precisely, because when I was younger in Nashville, um, I, I, I dipped into my aunt's record collection, and she had a bunch of wacky shit in there, mm-hmm. um, and the Stooges self-titled was in there, and I had never heard it, so I actually put the record onto the record player and listened to it when my parents were gone for the day. That album and goes in some crazy places, man. It goes. It gets so weird, man. It gets really experimental and doomy, and it's just uh, what's the word, um, Gregorian. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it really covers a lot of ground, and it's the I first felt, punk rock album of all time. That's. So you feel that way as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. I mean, is there any argument there? Is there an argument there? It came out in the fucking 60s. I mean, yeah, it came out in fucking 1969. Like, w- where's the Ramones Sex Pistols argument when we're talking about 1969? That's true. I feel like there would be a lot of people who would not call this album punk uh, specifically or simply because it wasn't punk categorically all the way through. I mean, all I'm saying is if that's not the first punk rock album of all time, then the Piper at the Gates of Dawn is. <laughs> well said especially being a pink floyd fan yep um no i think the album is the first i'm glad we both agree on that it is the first punk album and the fact that it wasn't quote-unquote punk or like essential or quintessential punk all the way through makes it even more punk right yeah the gregorian like ambient stuff is the most punk rock part about the whole album it's fucking insanity yeah but we could gush about the stooges all day let's keep keep flowing we could yeah number four i'm gonna keep it punk right here keep it real you ready fugazi waiting room nice dude waiting room is waiting room is i think where a lot of people get into punk as well that's actually funny you say that this is how i got out of it really yeah i needed a little bit i needed to transition that because i was only listening to punk rock and Fugazi opened some doorways into other music, particularly like Northwestern indie rock, that I wouldn't have gotten to probably if I wasn't listening to Fugazi. 
I wonder what the the natural escalation is for a lot of people. Like, dude. Well, for uh, me, it was now, getting really into Fugazi and then going with their albums and getting to the album, The Argument. Right. The Argument's incredible. Hearing these different styles, especially like the song Life and Limb, got me into more of the indie rock, um, not punk stuff. But Waiting Room, I mean, Waiting Room has one of the most legendary pauses. And absolutely. That's absolutely. what's so punk about the song is you come in the song, you groove with it, and it fucking stops. <laughs> and you have to wait. You have to keep every, you always count it out. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> it's just, I love that so much about this song. It, it, I'm wondering what the modern generation does as far as who they discover first. Do you think kids these days, if they're going to go down the rabbit hole, do you think they start with Minor Threat or do you think they start with Fugazi? You got to start with Minor Threat. You got to. I know you it. have to. And, and our generation is a PSA. If anybody's thinking about it, you have to start with Minor Threat because. Of course you do. It's like yeah, watching I mean, the mo- a movie the wrong way. I mean, it's so fulfilling once you true. get to the argument, to the like. <laughs> through through Ian McKay's career it's just like you get to the argument and you're like man he's done so much good music and he completely shifted his approach after Minor Threat yeah I mean things things he had grown things were different uh, was he still now here's a question that I don't know that I should know as both a Minor Threat and a Fugazi fan was he still considering himself straight edge in the early years of Fugazi I don't know it feels like no <laughs> That's what I was about to say. It feels like he started drinking. It feels or, like he kind of was like, you know, that that was his youth. And then he changed into, you know, he's like, I, I don't know. I can't say for sure or not. Maybe he's always been straight edge. I, I definitely saw an um, even show at Coachella a couple of years ago. Um, and somebody shouted in between songs, San Diego straight edge. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was very like put off by somebody yelling that at him. Also, being straight edge in San Diego is not cool. <laughs> That's just not a cool thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, if you live in a barefoot beach community and you're like, you're priding yourself on not drinking shock top, get the <laughs> fuck out of town. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, that's what, a good number four. What do you got? Um, I return to everyone's favorite uh, angry toddler vocalist here and I'm going to say that Smashing Pumpkins Gish Ooh, in 1991 I am, one. I am one dude because from the second that Jimmy Chamberlain no, starts yeah, that drum roll believe me I listened to it yesterday I went through it I mean it's just it's it it amps you up I'm amped even thinking I about am it too. right now and we're not even listening to I the guess song. the only reason I couldn't include it is because you know there's a little bit of me that wishes Cherub Rock was that first song. You I know understand what I mean? that. Because it's, but, but, it's more influential for me personally as an opener. No, you're right. And and I Am One obviously wasn't a single. It wasn't, uh, it, you know, it wasn't a centerfold that's, of their that's career. That's the problem. I wish I could have heard I Am One, like the first song I ever heard by Smashing Pumpkins. But that now, isn't that the is case. Not, no, Gish was... Siamese Dream was my introduction to them as it is a lot of people but I I did it a little differently I mean I had heard 1979 you definitely get punk points for the I Am One plug though big time well it I, I think a lot of people who are kind of moderate Smashing Pumpkins fans only listen to the singles off of Melancholy and or Siamese Dream you know it's, they don't go back and listen to Gish right because what was what was there even a single off of Gish Maybe uh, Shiva or Rhinoceros. Maybe those. I think Rhinoceros might have been the single. I, I think Shiva was as well. But I, 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 it doesn't like in their catalog. It doesn't get as much uh, popularity or play as it should. It's a great album. 
it's a it's a rock album. It is. You know, they 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 experimented with a lot of things after that as they were quote unquote maturing mm-hmm. as artists. I fucking hate that term, but yeah, especially um, when applied here. Yeah, it doesn't it that it doesn't make a lot of sense with the Smashing Pumpkins. There was a really natural evolution that happened in that group mm-hmm. before shit hit the fan um and Corgan became an egomaniacal fucking asshole or maybe he always was. Yeah. But uh, but Gish is rock through and through, and I Am One is a really great way to showcase how nasty they were going to let themselves be for the rest of their career. Totally. That is a so good So I pick. had to. It's kind of similar Thanks, to my number four. We're on the same wave right there. But, oh, uh, yeah. No, wait. What was your number four one Fugazi more time? Waiting oh, Fugazi room. Waiting Room. That's right. My number three, uh, you might not know, and I hope you do, because this song means a hell of a lot to me, but it is this one's totally personal. I don't think a lot of people know this artist or this song. Well, because it means so much to you, I'm going to pretend not to know it, even if I do, just oh, to that, hurt your feelings. That is just cruel. <laughs> what is it? Ted Leo and the Pharmacist Biomusicology. Oh my God, of course, dude. I didn't actually know that that song was a track one side one. Though. Yeah, there. well, there was a Ted Leo solo album, but first Ted Leo and the Pharmacist full band album is The Tyranny of Distance. And this is the first song on it. And it is such an anthemic way to start off a band's career. I, I love it so much. Isn't Ted Leo also a PNW? I think he might be DC. Now, I, I've only listened to Ted Leo and the Pharmacist. I didn't even know that he had a solo career before it became the Pharmacist. Well, it's, wasn't Ted wasn't Ted Leo in a like a, a band as well before he went bunch solo? Of bands. He was in a band called Chisel. Oh yeah. He was in Chisel. Chisel. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but the first Ted Leo and the Pharmacist album, Tyranny of Distance, one of their best. They have a bunch of great albums. Um, I love him as a songwriter, as a lyricist. It's just this like scrappy punk kind of acoustic-y vibe sometimes. That's a much more obscure number three, especially in the top three. That's, that's It's a huge it's song. Bold. It's one of my favorite songs, like, ever. Definitely. Well, ladies and gentlemen who are listening... Because we're all so close to Cam now, please listen to that song. Biomusicology. DM him and let him know how much it's going to mean to you. I mean, it's a great title for a first song, Biomusicology. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's a great, it's just the whole song feels like this intro build of a a band and it just breaks a bunch. There's all these great lyrics. There's all the stuff going on, guitar solos. It's, It's a beautiful fucking song. Yeah, and Ted Leo's still playing, correct? Yeah, yeah, Ted Leo's, he's fantastic. I mean, he's not playing right now. No, but maybe online. What do you got for three? <laughs> what do you got for three? Well, I had the Velvet Underground oh, and right. Nico's Sunday Morning, so now I got to search. Um, but my number three is going to be replaced with a pretty odd song that maybe wasn't com- like directly uh, influential as far as what, the artists would continue to do with their career. It's one of their scrappier, more minimal, may- maybe odder tunes, but I love it so much because it's a very strange way to start a record. And that was 1979, The Cure, oh, off of okay. Three Imaginary Boys, mm-hmm. 1015 Saturday Night. Yeah, I listened to this one too, and I was like, I don't know this song at all. <laughs> oh, you had never heard it before? I don't think so, no. It's a really, really odd song. Yeah. Um now, it showcased a lot of, of course, they were a three-piece at the time, um, so it showcased a lot of what they were capable of as far as taking you know, these, these songs in new directions or having some strange bridges, um, having a lot of trail-off verses, but I, I thought it was, it was fucking punk. 
to start a record that way. Yeah. Uh, because the rest of the record is is rather upbeat and punk-ish or post-punk-ish. Um, so I, you know, as an honorable mention, since you stole my my Sunday morning glory mm-hmm. by putting it as your number twelve, mind you. I was starting it off, and it was a nice start. That is one hell of a start. You're right, but, but yeah. I'm a huge Cure, Cure fan, right. especially those early records. Go. Yeah, I had to, um, uh, especially because the bass playing has influenced me a lot. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. Uh, wow, we're in the top two. I know. Ooh. I'm kicking down the doors with this one. Um, Here we my go. My number two. You might have this actually. But, I think I do. I think it's actually my number two. Oh, no way. Uh, Weezer, my name is Jonas. Oh, no, it's actually not my number two. Oh. Uh, and I don't have that. That's not even on my honorable mention list. What? Uh, but that is, you know what? I didn't even think about the Blue Album. I like the Blue Album, but I'm a Pinkerton guy. Well, that doesn't matter. I'm a Pinkerton guy just as much as the next guy, but that doesn't mean I don't I, know my name is Jonas. It's one of their best no, songs. No, no, no. I, I mean, obviously, I know Jonas, and I know the Blue Album, but when I think of Weezer, I automatically think of Pinkerton. I don't even fuck with the Blue Album, although that's, it's incredible from start up. to finish. You gotta fuck no, with the Blue listen, Album. Yeah, no, no. I totally fuck with the Blue Album. I mean, there's some of my favorite Weezer songs on the Blue Album. Like My Name is Jonas. Like, like My I Name mean, is Jonas. I mean, who okay. starts their career with a like like a, a, a waltz grunge? Like, yeah, like, that is, you're right. That they, is a they waltz. Call, yeah, it's, the, the song's like a heavy waltz. I've never even really heard a heavy waltz before I heard that. And yeah, it's just a hell of a way to start an album. Classic chord progression, that CGAF thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I know you're right. You're right. No, so it's, it's actually it's, it's up fucking, as we're talking about. Damn it by Blink One Eighty Two in three four instead of four four, you know? That's that's well said. Was damn it a track one side one? No, no, no not even no, close. No, track no, no, three, no, album yeah. three. No four three. Two. Timeline's two, messy with Blink. You know, yeah, and don't think right. I didn't look over Carousel by Blink One Two. Oh, I know you did. But I didn't I bring it did. in. I didn't bring it in. But my name is Jonas is a fantastic I, I could have been number one, but my number one's more personal. But that is a hell of a way to start a career. Too bad that career wasn't that great. I mean, yeah, well, it was for the first two records. Yeah, well not if you look about if the whole if you look at the whole scope, it's pretty rough. It is super rough. I mean it, and maybe maybe I'm lost on the discography here of Weezer and maybe you can help me out. So I wait, can't bl- it went Blue Album, Pinkerton, was Mal... Mal- no, Green, Al- Green Album was next. Are you sure Green Album was third? Yeah, Maladroit was almost directly after, like a year after Green Album. Okay, so the first three records are pretty banging then. I don't, um, I don't actually mind Maladroit. I think that's an all right album. Okay, Maladroit's a hell of a lot better than anything that they were to release after that. Yeah, that's, um, that's Weezer to me. That's it. <laughs> yeah, those first four albums. Um, and that's even being that's being kind. Yeah, that is that is being kind because they've put out seven records since Maladroit that are fucking awful. At least <laughs> that is one hell of a track. One side one. I can't believe I didn't even think of that. Yeah, what the hell, man? Okay, what do you got for number two? Uh, number two is one that I know you're very fond of um, because we're both fond of this group and we've had discussions at length about them. Okay, um, and that is Gorillas Rehash. Off wow. of self-titled okay. 2001. Because, yeah, I thought dude, about that too. When you listen, when you buy, like, and I remember buying the first Gorillaz record the the week it came out because of the 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 enormity of Clint Eastwood. Um, and when you have only heard Clint Eastwood and you bring home Gorillaz and you hear that fucking breakbeat come in on rehash, 
Like yeah, it, it was it, a whole new world for a lot of people. So strange, like especially as a child or a younger lad, you know, being introduced to something like that with just that like two chord progression in the beginning um, was it was just it 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 like especially as I have talked about hip hop being such a huge influence on me in my life. Uh, the gorilla self titled was a lot of hip hop. You know, yeah, even I mean, though raps weren't involved in every tune. There was a lot of Dan the Automator, right? You know, doing a lot of that record. Obviously, he brought in a lot of backbeat flair, and I feel like that that album has come up on these lists from your side quite a bit. I think it's one of your. It's favorites. one of my. It's one of my favorite fucking albums of all time. Like yeah. obviously, self titled and Demon Days are are untouchable. Uh, Plastic Beach was like. You know, I close love Plastic to, Beach. I like Plastic Beach too. I don't think it holds a candle to Demon Days or self titled. No, though. but I have that's for some reason that's the only one I have on vinyl, so I listen to it a lot. And the backside of that is very underrated. There's some crazy, it's super crazy underrated. Shit. That's good. That's really true on every group and every. You're right, album. dude. Side B of self titled and also, Demon Demon Days side two has some of the best stuff on it. Super weird, but. I, I feel bad now. Thanks for calling me out. I guess I do bring the gorillas no, to the fine. table. I don't mind quite that. A, it's, it's, I mean, you, I know you're a huge fan, so I always think that I'm going to get cam brownie points every time I bring them up. But. <laughs> brownie points given. Well, what is, oh, here we are. Number one. We're at number, we're at number one, dude. This, of course, this one's um, going to be a more personal one, but this is exactly, Immediately when I thought about this list, this is the first song I thought about. And so I was like, I guess that's kind of makes it number one. But I remember being a impressionable college, college freshman and hearing this song and just not being able to move, listening to the whole thing and just listening to it again and just being like, this is my favorite band. Like there's a whole album. I don't even need to listen to it. I already know it's my favorite am- band. Wow, I I feel like I know you pretty well at this point, and I cannot pinpoint what's about to come out of your mouth. And to this day, this this is one of my favorite albums. They're not really one of my favorite bands anymore, per se. Um, and this isn't necessarily my favorite song by them, but to start off an album and to show you what this album's going to be, I just can't think of a better way to to paint it than block parties like eating glass. Whoa. Did not see that coming. Did did nowhere near did I see that coming out of yeah. your mouth. Block party like eating glass is one of the most signature ways I could possibly think of to start off that album. I can't tell you that I'm actually even familiar with that song. Block party was something that passed me. I mm-hmm. mean, of course, I heard the singles, um, but it wasn't something that was like so vehemently on my radar. Well, let me to let where, me let me paint the picture for you. All right. Give it to me. All right. So there's some delay swell. The song opens, you hear some delay swells. All of a sudden, the bass player comes in with 30-second notes way up on the bridge. Just tension building, right? And then their legendary drummer uh, comes in with just this insane beat. And you're immediately like, who the hell's the drummer? Drums are mixed higher than anything on the whole album. What was that, what was that debut record called? Silent Alarm. Silent Alarm. That's right. And then the chords come strugging in and then Kelly comes in with the vocals and you're just like, by the time you even get to a chorus or you're already, I can't, I can't believe this. And at the time in college, my roommate was this wonderful, wonderful man named Larry Huseman, but total hippie, Eugene hippie. Well, he's from Boulder, of course, but you know, living in Eugene. And so we fought about music constantly because he liked dead and fish and 
Sound Tribe Sector 9 and I liked Ooh. what I liked. And he heard this song and he's like, he's like, yeah, but the thing is, that's not a real drummer. That's a drum machine. And I'm like, no, th- this band has a drummer. He's like, it does not. And he was like, basically wanted to bet me that there's no chance that there was an actual drummer on the song. That an actual human could be playing that And part. I looked it up and like we looked up a live video and he's like, oh, fuck. Well, that's fucking, <laughs> that's fucking crazy then. Because the, the drums coming into that still paint the picture for what that album's going to be. Because I'm a huge fan of that album. That debut album is one of the best. I have given Silent Alarm one run through in my life, and that's probably why I'm not terribly familiar with the the, the opening track. But I can only uh, imagine being a fan of Block Party, which they have a lot of. Um, that that record changed a lot of people's lives, especially yeah, it was being in college. You know, it was like, one of the rough rough things for a band where their debut was so good they really had nowhere to go to. Well, yeah, and maybe we should do another list of the the best sophomore efforts because the sophomore effort after such a great sophomore bumps that's right (laughs) the sophomore bumps the the ones that rose to the occasion that's right yeah okay Uh, well uh let's i did it that's like eating glass block party that's my favorite and i think the best way to start a debut album i'm going to listen to that tonight you have um, to because i want to get closer to you in the process of these podcasts please listen to it loudly in headphones too okay i'm looking forward to it dude uh mine my number one is probably something that not a lot of people are familiar with, but this this man has also changed my life. Um, and it's it's a it's a soft number one, but Ooh, okay, it, um, it's it it's definitely the most popular song of his career. Maybe minus some things that have been synced for for television or or film. Can I guess? Um, it? Sure, Leonard Cohen, Suzanne, you motherfucker! Oh, how, how see, did we're you just know so that? in line right now. Dude, how did you know that? It was when you said soft. I'm like, that's the best soft opening because I, I have that on my honorable. On mentions. your honorable. So you are a Leonard Cohen fan. I mean, how could you not love that song? Okay, all right, cool. Because that is the song that everyone knows. It's that is beautiful. the one song, maybe minus again. Like I think they. I can't believe a, I guessed your number one. Can we just have a moment here? What the hell? Yeah, that was can, awesome. like, can, let's everyone who's listening. It, it doesn't matter if no one if we can't hear it. Let's give Cam a round of applause for that. Because that truly is fucking incredible. We are in I mean, line. I know that I've talked about my love for Leonard Cohen in the past, but the fact that that was just right on the tip of your tongue is is incredible to me. We are definitely on each other's semicolon cycle. Wow, that's um, great. I'm glad I could put that in the playlist because that is a hell of a song. Well, dude, Suzanne is is it's it's, it's it, it. I don't think any other word can be used other than timeless, right? Um, especially in 1967, and there are so many facts. Like even besides uh, Leonard Cohen's discography as a musician, there are so many facts about him that continue to amaze me. Like he was a writer; he had published two novels before he even had written his first song. He wow. was so tired of not making money off of his novels in Canada that he said, well, fuck it. I'm going to move to the U S and become a songwriter. Mm -hmm. So how incredible is that in the, the mid to late sixties, which is not even comprehensible these days. You're tired of not making money off of your books. So you feel like you're going to strike it rich in the music industry. That's why people make music. You know, you're going to make millions of dollars. You know, really you're going to make so much money, right? But the Leonard Cohen's that- like, let me fire up a TikTok profile. <laughs> yeah. And figure Cohen out how to do on this. Instagram. Um, but the, you I know, don't think it- Suzanne would hit as hard on TikTok. 
No, I don't think it would either, unless it was like the 1800s version of TikTok. <laughs> but Suzanne being track one, side one off of Songs of Leonard Cohen, after he decided that he was going to give up novel writing in his life to make money in music, and for him to produce a song like that, as and and as as I've read, that is the first song, first actual song that he ever wrote. That's insane. How insane is that? That's now, nuts. A lot of people would argue that your first material is your best um, because it's uninhibited. You you don't know too many rules of the game. You're not focused on previous successes. But that's another so, one of those examples where everything seems so fully formed, like the so sound, fully formed. the and, confidence of it. And knowing what I know about Leonard Cohen, which is a little bit, um, he probably had 75 verses written for that song probably yeah. and he probably labored for about a year picking the best ones yeah um because i know that that's how he 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 writes or wrote um rest in peace leonard um but but it feels to, like the song comes off as like off the cuff like feels, he like he was had an open mic had never played yeah. a guitar before had a story to tell got the fuck up there and suzanne came out right yeah it's just unreal like for, for it to be that organic feeling and sounding is incredible. And there's one thing that I that I stumbled across recently as I've I've been doing some research into Cohen um, and revisiting his novels. I, I would recommend his second novel, which is called The Favorite Game. It's fucking incredible. Okay. Um, but uh, Allen Ginsberg, famed, you know, yeah, yeah. timeless universal poet Allen Ginsberg, right. uh, was was speaking about Bob Dylan in an interview and after Dylan came out, obviously the world was shocked, right? Like who the fuck is this guy? And Ginsburg said, you know what, man, Bob blew everyone's mind except Leonard's. Wow. Wow. And that feels so accurate to me <laughs> because Leonard Cohen was a better Bob Dylan than right. Bob Dylan might've ever been. But he didn't get the salt that Dylan did because he didn't have that type of that type of feverish push, yeah. you know, for a lot of the working man songs and like right, totally. revisiting, yeah, like a lot of the you know the railroad songs and so on and so forth, and the rock and roll persona type thing, and the yeah. rock and roll persona. No, yeah, Leonard Cohen was always a very well maintained, you know, suit wearing gentleman. He was a scholar, right? Yeah, he wasn't uh, messing around like that. He wasn't fucking around. He was writing he didn't have time insane for that shit. Song. No, he didn't. He was writing Suzanne. Yeah. He was writing He's up at 80, 4 a.m. Yeah, he was writing 80 verses to Suzanne before he even laid that song down. And yeah. for those of you who might not listen to a lot of folk music or uh, you know, a lot of storytelling songs, um, please try Leonard Cohen's Suzanne out. Or rather, the entirety of songs of Leonard Cohen. Um Sit down with some afternoon tea or, you know, give yourself a break from the mundanity of everything we're going through right now and dive into a little Cohen because it will change your life. The poetry is just phenomenal. I cannot believe you fucking guessed that. Oh, man, that was a hell of a list, man. I think we did good. Wow. That might have been the more informative the most informative list we've had in a while. And I think that's what you We didn't fight about anything. We were really aligned. Feel closer to you. Pick good lists. Like well, you I'm pick, the straight man. You know, I pick the straight lists, you know, that are like you pick the straight right down list, the middle. No nonsense, yeah. no fuss. Your lists are like, what's the best song to like stick your thumb up your ass to? <laughs> Which is definitely going to be next episode's <laughs> list. So you can uh, you can look forward to that. Um, I think we're just about done here. We've kind of gone long. 
but let's just rattle off some honorable mentions. Just like not even talk about it much, but just like, dude, I've only got a couple at this point because I've had to, I've had to interchange a few right, of them just, because you stole some of my shit. Just one, just back and forth ones. Let's go. Go start us off. Um, good times roll the cars. Wow, good. I was gonna say, and this, I guessed you had this on your list as we were talking about LCD and how this is happening. Oh, it's now Punk? ten years old. Daft Punk is playing at my house yeah, in two thousand five. Uh, okay, that's one fuck of a way to start absolutely. off your career. Um, how about Genesis Justice? Oh my God, into that, dude. I'm a, <laughs> I, I cannot believe I didn't even think about that. Uh, we're both total posers for not including Blister in the Sun. Whoa, was that their first? That was their first record. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Wow. Um, I'm going to say I'm a huge placebo fan. I know I've brought them up uh-huh. a few times. I don't know if anyone else is a placebo fan out there, but off of self-titled in 1996, there's a track called Come Home that is incredible and just sets the tone for the entire career. Oh, wow. I don't know that at all. But flip the listen to it. I'll flip, that, like I'll it. flip that script with uh, Genie in a Bottle, Christina Aguilera. Fuck yes, dude. Um, dude, that song still I'm, hits. I'm telling you. Dude, it hits so hard. I actually listened to that maybe about three months ago, just electively, and it fucking rips. That chorus hits hard. It still comes it's in. It's so good. Oh, and she was so sexy oh, in that, that music video. video. That was a big oh. yeah, formative years music video. I don't want to go into that too much more. Probably shouldn't. No, let's let's actually not talk about that. We've talked about masturbation enough on this yeah. particular episode. It's getting weird. Um, My Morning Jacket, Heartbreaking Man Ooh, off of the Tennessee okay, Fire yeah. in 1999. I did not even think there. Okay. Really great way to establish Jim James's falsetto and strange approach to psychedelic country music or freak folk, if you want to call it that. I'll raise you with Peter Tosh, Legalize It. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. I actually would not expect that from you uh, a, you learn great... something new every day cam um i'm gonna say well there's here's a this is a little difficult because they had a mini lp which might have been the first quote-unquote mini lp ever before they put out their debut okay and that's pixies okay in Let's 1987 go, car- caribou caribou See, i didn't of, i didn't on, even Pilgrim. the timeline was messy so i didn't know to do caribou or bone machine and i like bone, that okay so it's caribou though the, the correct answer is caribou just come, I, come, if, or uh, come on, Pilgrim was first. Come on, Pilgrim was eighty-seven, right? And Surfer Rosa was eighty-eight, but it they were but only is separated Surfer Rosa by considered their debut album. It's considered their debut full LP because <sighs> that's they messy. call that's messy. They, I know it's super messy. They call Come on, Pilgrim a mini. LP. Let's let's call it Caribou slash Bone Machine because either either because way it would be on your list. Either way, it's fucking perfect. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, right. we haven't talked about it. The elephant in the room. The giant elephant in the room. You by Radiohead. By Radiohead. I can't believe you have it. Yeah. I thought you were going to call me out for not being on my list. I was about to, but I decided that that might be a little inappropriate because I, I didn't want to put you on the spot. It's a great song. It just didn't It didn't quite make it compared to the whole canon of Radiohead. It's Absolutely. Yeah. In the canon of Radiohead or the, the, the entire, you know, the, the entire catalog... Pablo Honey is weak as fuck it's considerably. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not weak, but, you know, put up against a fucking Kid A or, you know, in Rainbows, it's, it obviously doesn't have a place there. But you is a ripper. It is. Um, and that also, like, because so many people heard Creep before they heard Pablo Honey in its entirety, um, coming off with a track like you is a nice way to round how they started right. their career. Um, 
Uh, I'm running out of uh, honorable mentions here. I'm going to, oh, since we were talking about Bell and Sebastian so much, oh, please no. let Bunny know that uh, the state I am in this... off of Tiger Milk okay, in 1996, it. it's fucking great. It's about um, someone basically going to a confessional and the priest writing a book about all of their sins. It's fucking great. Okay. Um, um, I got, I always like to bring something current. I have one from last year. Ready for this? I'm ready. Nine five three by Black Midi. I have I have no idea what that even is. All right. Well, listen to Black Midi. You'll probably hate it. I mostly hate it, but this I will say this is a hell of a way to come out of the gates, and it's going to be later on down the line because this band's getting pretty big. It'll this song. You say Black Midi as in MIDI controller. Yeah. Okay. They're uh they're a bunch of British children that are just tearing up some crazy rock and roll <laughs> but I can't stand the singer's voice personally but uh, I don't know a lot of people like it it's a hell of a way to come out of the gates it's a ripper it's a total ripper we haven't said anything about is this it strokes which seems I thought oh, that'd be in one of our lists dude it's so obvious it is and that's and it's nowhere near my favorite song on the album so no not at all I mean it is a really nice like cruiser to to intro the album and also, it like doesn't sound like anything else on the record, so that's kind of fun for a first yeah. song for a track one side one. Okay, two more real quick. Yeah, hit him off. Just like Honey, Jesus and Mary Chain. Fuck yes. My favorite that's Jesus a track one side one? Yeah. Dude. God, I feel like and such a fucking poser. Going out this way, smooth operator, Sade. Ooh, dude, that should have been on your actual list. I know, that's a great song. That is a great song. Wow, wow. what a... What a really informative and long-winded list we had today <laughs> on episode fun. eight. Thank you that for enjoying, fun. everyone listening. We uh, have a always, Patreon. Yeah, always thank you for coming back. It means a lot to us, guys. I, I know, and you guys have been more interactive with us and we love talking that. about the list and making your own list, and that's fun. That's why we're doing this. We're trying to bring a lot of dialogue uh, amongst our peers who are listening to this. So please, if you're our friends, even if you're strangers, please hit us up. Um, let us know that you enjoyed the episode or, or the, you know, send us your own list because that's the fun of this. It's supposed yeah. to jog. It's supposed to jog inspiration. Tell us anything everyone. we missed because I know we missed stuff. But We miss so much shit when we do this, especially because such we're busy arguing. labor of love to just look into. It was so much fun to look into and be like, this was that band's first song. Yeah, that's... I was convinced you would have Welcome to the Jungle on there. I was like, there's no way Al's not coming in with Welcome to the Jungle. I fucking hate Guns N' Roses. I know, but I thought you'd still do it. Just to fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, as Cam said before I so rudely cut him off, we do have a Patreon, and uh, we, we've been discussing ways to incentivize y'all. Um, if you have any suggestions, let us know. But I think right now, um, at the, the moment that we get over 10 Patreon con- contributors, um, we're going to hold a raffle for someone to program a list for one of our episodes yes. or maybe even just program an entire episode. If you want to bring new tunes to the table, uh, maybe it's something that, you know, we can even have you on as a guest or we can do a private session for you. So we're thinking of new ways to, uh, to tantalize y'all. Yes, if you have suggestions, you know, hit us up, please let us know. And if, if you would like to become a member um, and you would like to present your suggestion, you know, to further us in our, our quest for maybe, helping you come aboard with us please yeah hit us up because this is new to us we don't really like asking people for money because this is not why we're doing this not at uh, all we're we're doing this to maintain uh you know a now very, we're doing it to maintain sanity 
maintain sanity and a friendship because you're the only friend I have. And I'm checking uh, in on Al. Yeah, he's he's making sure that I'm not swinging from a ceiling fan or anything. Don't worry, like I that. like it though. When I'm talking to you, it's like every day is Halloween. Oh, dude, every day is Halloween. That I'm gonna get that tattooed on my ass. Jesus, how many things do I say that you're getting tattooed on you? <laughs> and, and by the end of this, I'm just gonna be a scroll of, you just, of quotables. I, I don't think so. I think you just make a lot of empty ass tattoo threats. Oh, you 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 think I'm not good for it? I don't think I don't think you're gonna put it on. Well, there. maybe that could also be a Patreon thing. Maybe oh, the now maybe the talking. second we get five thousand Patreon contributions at, for at least five bucks a pop, maybe can I'll we at least a, can we do the merry fucking whatever makes you happy on your merry fucking whatever makes you happy is going to be the bluebirds holding the the hardcore banners with the <laughs> cursive script on it. Yeah, on my chest. I love but, it. But really, guys, we we wanna we wanna involve you more. We're always looking for ways to do that. Um, so uh, it, find our Patreon subscribe anything helps um but we really want to find a way to integrate y'all more often so yes so it's, thank it, you it's, for it's, those it, who already have we're excited to take this strange music-based journey with y'all this is uh, this has been fun so far exhausting sometimes yeah. um i mean i definitely need some more coffee i'm crashing yeah i'm crashing too uh, i i feel like i've basically just i've put my mouth on an exhaust pipe of information here yeah i'm, I'm flooded with information well thank you guys for tuning in this has been goat parade episode eight thank um, you al thank you Cam, a good side a. and i'm gonna we'll be let, back with your side b yes in a couple weeks and i'm gonna let our sultry voice post-punk king of los angeles sign us out thank you everyone listening goat parade out <laughs>